back corner <laughs> when I'm not presenting. Listening in. And listen in. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Bash University Live here on Tuesday night. Take a quick break. Watch John Cruz's on the Tokyo rig. Be a part of the show. Get some chances to win some awesome prizes. As fast you go. You know, we didn't have that back then. In the, in the, in the, dude, it, it can just... That text thread gives me so much energy. I mean, like I'm dialing. Welcome to Bass University Live. I am your host tonight, um, Justin Kimmel, aka Professional Fishhead for the Bass University. Uh, if you don't know what that means, don't worry about it. We made it up. But uh, man, I am so excited for tonight's show. Um, you know, I, I did a lot of reflecting on it, and it just made me think back to a time there I was. It was probably a week or two before the summer was out. I was 14 years old, so a week or two before the the end of the summer and school was starting back 14 years old, probably, I don't know, going into eighth or ninth grade and watching sports center on a Saturday morning, you know, and, uh, hockey highlights come on and, you know, in the South, we don't, we don't do hockey. So I changed the channel from channel 46 to 47 to ESPN two. And there it was bass fishing and a tournament. I had no clue that this even existed. We're talking 20 years old. I'll never forget it. The first encounter. Pete Pons was uh, on in a Bassmaster Tour event in Florida, um, throwing a speed worm. Um, I'd never even heard of a speed worm, a little paddle tail, five inch worm. And, uh, and he caught, caught some fish and he was talking about how the tournament worked. And you could tell um, that they were, uh, they were definitely trying to teach people how fishing, you know, worked and, I was captivated, man. And I didn't even know this world existed. And, um, you know, that was it. I, I, I fell in love and I had to know what, what, how to get into this. And by the end of the week, I had searched, I had talked to people, I had scrounged up 25 Bassmaster magazines once Dang. I found out what that was. And I, I, I just went through those things and I'll never forget it. I went and bought my first bait caster at walmart um because it it it, uh, it was obvious to me after re just reading those magazines that i need a needed a bait caster and, um i can remember an article i can't remember if it was a day on the lake or one of those pros panel things or just another article talking about summer fall transition kind of tough fishing and kevin short uh who i'm excited to talk to tonight uh he was talking about throwing a buzz bait and so I went to Walmart and I bought a 99 cent buzz bait, one of those crappy little things. And that Saturday morning, it was my last Saturday before school. I was reeling in that buzz bait. And I mean, just reeling it in like the wind, just fast as can be. And about a four or five pounder blew up on it. And I was forever addicted. Still am. Um, but uh, the one thing when I think about that story is, 
going on in time, I joined a, a, a fishing club for a junior club. I joined a federation club. I got all this knowledge from people. And in the dog days that we're talking about tonight, tough fishing or just hot, um, just a lot of different conditions you see. Um, you know, I, I learned about slowing down and, and, and all these great finesse techniques. And we're going to talk about those tonight. Um, but what I kind of forgot for a, maybe a decade was catching that bass burning a buzz bait in so that just goes to show there's going to be a lot of stuff to talk about tonight in different situations and scenarios and when calls for what and uh, I can't think of a better guest to have than uh than Kevin Short you know he's he's uh you know we'll talk we'll talk more with him you know here pretty shortly but uh man just excited was always a big fan of Kevin um but tonight I'm joined with a very special co-host I can't think of a better co-host then, then uh, Epic E, Epic Eric, he is uh, a fellow lover of the back of the boat. He's just an awesome co-angler. He's a, he's a super fish head, uh, a friend of ours. We've, we've had him on the show before, love having him, and he's been a longtime subscriber to Bass UTV. Eric Galasso, everybody. Eric, man. Us, man. Wow, man, I appreciate that intro, man, and, and thanks for having me tonight, man. Super stoked to be here to talk about what I think is is a great topic, man. When when it gets to be tough, and you got to grind out the bites, that's when mm -hmm. I like to dig down and to have Kevin Short on tonight to talk about that and to to really probe his experience and maybe the days when he did have a co in the back of the boat. How did they do? You're in the front of the boat now. You've been in the back of the boat, so you've got mm -hmm. a really unique perspective to bring. Uh, but you know, how do you grind out those five bites? And if you're on a team, how do you contribute? when you got a stud for a partner, right? That's leaving no <laughs> stone unturned. We got a yep. joke in, like when we're fishing docks, you know, the guy in the front's hitting all four sides of that pole, <laughs> of a round pole. So you've got very slim pickings you got. And I, that's what I want to dig into tonight amongst other things, but uh, how to grind out a bite in the dog days of summer, man. Yeah, I can't wait. And yeah, we'll talk tournament fishing. We'll talk, you know, sure. team fishing. And with, you know, I might throw a few nuggets uh, to our guys who just like fishing off the bank or fishing in a pond. Heck yeah. Great time of year to catch a big one in the heat, actually. No question. But, uh, you know, we're also joined by our beloved producer and do-it-all man running the message board, Brian the Carpenter, Risby Fishing. Richard Ledbetter, Brian Stockwell, what's up, guys? Did, did you call me beloved? And, and what was Rich? Dude, all man. <laughs> yeah, he's the dude. Beloved all man. do it all. <laughs> oh, do it all man. Oh, you know what I, that I means? You. Like, uh, it's like, uh, hey, we got, we need this to be done. Hey, Rich. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah, it's like Leo Getz from uh from uh what the hell movie was that? E. He's. What is what Leo gets for, for not Mr. Utility, not uh, not uh, in, Inspector. What was a gadget? Inspector Gadget. No, this was Mel Gibson was the cop with Danny Glover. Oh, oh, Lethal Weapon. Lethal Weapon. Yeah. Leo gets that was uh, Joe Pesci. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hey, yeah, whatever you do, Leo gets. <laughs> hey, forget about it. Hey. All right. Well, <laughs> what's going on? What's going on, guys? Anybody go fishing this weekend? I think Riz had a check, didn't he? That guy. Yeah, um, fish the annual Five Alive Bassmasters. Shout out to Five Alive Bassmasters. That's a club we work with uh, at the Bass University. Yeah. Um, and uh, they have their annual Labor Day tournament uh, on Carnegie Lake up in North Jersey. Um, I fish that lake once a year, every year for this tournament. And uh, 
been able to sneak into a check the last few years and uh, managed awesome. to snag a third place finish this year um, during a, uh, uh, you know, dog days of summer type event. And uh, it, it, it really kind of it, it mirrored what we're going to be talking about tonight as far as, you know, a grinder style event, not a ton of bites to be had. Just keep the bait in the water and, uh, you know, put it in front of enough to to get those bites. Um Shout out to uh, Rich Schreiner and Tim Daffick on the win uh, with 14 pounds. Uh, we weighed in 11.8, uh, good enough for third place uh, with my good buddy Adam Satinoff. And, uh, yeah, good weekend on the water. Happy to be back here again for another edition of Bash University Live, talking to all the folks on the message board. That's right. Awesome. Oh. I, well, I, Speak. My, uh, we, me and my partner that I fished it with last year, we, we uh, finished second. We couldn't fish it this year. Uh, my buddy Darren mm. Brooks, his, his wife said no, um, <laughs> so he wasn't allowed. If you guys, anyone on Instagram, give uh, D Brooks ten eighty eight is his Instagram. Give him a, give him a follow and slide them DMs. Tell him to grow a pair. <laughs> <laughs> That's too good. Awesome. Now we're now we're using the pedestal to to call out. Call I like out it to shame because we're angry. We can't go. Hey, fishing. yeah, man. Shame him. <laughs> The producer wields the power. Just remember. <laughs> well, we all, we all know that Pete's not here to rein it in, so uh, we, we might just go many of those places tonight. But uh, Riz, what what do you got for us? What 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 do our people need to be uh, aware of tonight? Yeah, guys. So uh, so as always, uh, we're going to be taking care of our Bash U TV subscribers and uh, some of our folks over on Facebook, um, and also during the show, uh, I think Brian will come up with something for our youtube folks we're gonna make sure that they're not forgotten about that's uh, right bring it people yeah but uh as always um for some questions tonight we got uh some 25 dollar gills gear gift cards going out the door yep. guys so if you're not a bash U tv subscriber now's a great time to get involved uh get signed up take a 30-day free trial use code bash U or bu live 30 and uh you can join tonight's show ask some questions on the message board and if we use it we're hooking you up with a 25 dollar gills gear gift card um, also, there's going to be a grand prize uh, trivia package going out at the end of the show. That's $100 worth of uh, products from our sponsors. Um, we're going to come up with something from the show, a uh, little bit of trivia quiz. And uh, also, there's going to be a Facebook like and share. Um, so if you're over there on Facebook, make sure that you like and share tonight's feed, and you'll be entered into a random drawing at the end of tonight's show to win a $50 prize pack. So Guys, it pays to be a Bashu TV subscriber. Don't wait when we take our break in a few minutes. Get signed up. Get yourself in the door for the best program in bass fishing. That's right. Yeah. So, guys, I, I want to go ahead and I want to define the topic for, for people watching out there. I want to define dog days because it's different everywhere you go. I'm down here in Georgia. I'm going to define it as like June to like it bleeds into October like almost the full month for us. So it, it's the summer period, the late summer, the fall, you know, transition into the fall. Um, you know, E, you're up there in the tri-state area, I guess, you know, mid-Atlantic region. What, yep. What's your dog day period? Man, starting from, you know, June-ish, like late mm -hmm. June, you know, you get that post-spawn in June, early June, but then it starts to get, depends on when that hot weather arrives. But for sure, July, August, September, we've got a Toyota series coming up on the Potomac. Super interested to see what happens. The river just got trashed with that major storm that came through. Got the tail mm -hmm. end of Ida. It's muddy, a lot of debris. 
but they've got a few weeks for it to clear, but it's still going to be a tough fight. September can yeah. be extremely tough. It seems like, you know, everything kind of comes together late August, September, where it doesn't matter where you're fishing, it, it can get cranky, you know? Mm -hmm. For us, I'm, <laughs> right? it's, it's August, September, October. This is the three, like the three worst months out of the year. Not, and I'm not going to say I've grown to love it, right? And we'll yeah. talk about that more um, on the show tonight. But uh, yeah, it, it seems like those are our just, they're just brutal fishing months. But when you learn a little bit about what, what the fish are doing, you know, we can, we can enjoy it more. We can have more success and enjoy it. And that's what we're here tonight to talk right about. On. I'm not going to hold us up any longer. BTC, fire up that break. And uh, if you got anything else to say, do it now. Uh, forever hold my peace until okay. we get back from commercial break. <laughs> oh yeah go ahead Rich. go sign up for bash you if you're not signed up now's the time Dude. we're giving you a couple minutes to do it it's going to be worth it i promise do it i mean 40 percent off i'm just going to plug it sorry i have yeah. to because you know i'm going to do a little show and tell later but i mean like a vmc discount rapala mm. dt's 40 mm percent -hmm. off 40 oh, percent yeah. off. why are you overpaying for tungsten hooks nico hooks i mean it, it the list Deal. is endless pays for itself really i mean it's, it's like a two for one almost yeah. on dt's you yeah. kidding me it truly does rich amen i'm signed up vip programmer follow man bmc done my man <laughs> do it do it do it aquaview the leader in underwater viewing technology Find what you are looking for. Catch more fish. Have more fun. Aquaview. Seeing is believing. Why do you love catching fishing rods? I'm truly losing less fish. It is the sensitivity of the rod. That's are made right here in North Carolina in the USA. Strongest, lightest rod, 100% made here in Sanford, North Carolina. From the drop shot rod to the flipping stick, every rod has a purpose to it, and I rely on them all the time when I'm out doing a tournament. Durability in the John Cruz Worming Series, the counterbalancing in the handle. It's the only rod I found that can withstand my hook set. Boom goes the dynamite. obsessed. There's no place on earth we'd rather be than right here, right now. Performance-driven gear, so you can fish longer, harder. Gills Performance Fishing. 2021 Red Crest Champion Dustin Connell here. And if you watch live covers, we just got done at Lake Eufaula. I caught my fish using the active target with Lowrance. What you didn't see is I run a sea clear power harness in my boat. One of the main advantages to running this harness is it does not drain my batteries down at all running my four units. And what that's gonna allow me to do is I'm able to see my bait at 8 a.m. just as good late in the day. Y'all check them out at seaclearpower.com. You take pride in your boat, so it deserves the best protection possible. Our durable woven fabric prevents ripping and provides UV protection. And our tape seams provide protection against the elements. The heavy-duty shock cord hem and strap and buckle system provide a tight and secure fit. Our top-of-the-line boat covers come with a ventilation system to keep your boat free from mold buildup. 
Empire Covers, protecting what you love. And we're still back. Go ahead. Words. We're back. We're live. <laughs> Sorry, I looked down at my notes. Guys, we're back and we're going to dive right into it. We are joined by a very special guest, a, an instructor at the Bass University. You can find him on Bass UTV. He's a five-time Bass Master winner. Two-time right. elite, two Elite Series champion. Yes. Um, I even went and looked up uh, some, uh, some other stuff. Guys, he won four BFLs. That's super That's crazy. One of them was a regional. He also had another two-day. So when I started digging, everything confirmed that he was the right guest for the show because you talk about, say, five Bassmaster wins, four BFL wins. That's, that's nine wow. tournaments, and I know he's won a lot of money around the house. But I'd classify five or six of these what I'll call major wins out of these nine as that dog day period we just defined, you know, that June to September, October ish. Um, but anyways, it, it just, we, he's the, also the international sales rep. Correct me if, I, if that's changed, but for bass cat boats, um, you know, me and Rich and Pete and Ike, we are loving our bass cats. Uh, but Kevin short, everybody. Woo. Thank you. Guys. Thank you. Jeff. Up, Kev? Appreciate that info. How are we doing tonight? Oh man, we're, we're fired up, man. I'm trying to get uh, geeked up for, you know, down here we got our, uh, I haven't fished a tournament for about three months and I've got Ooh. two on the schedule in September. They're going to be brutal. So I'm trying to get my mind right. So I'm um, taking it. I know, you, I know you and Jimmy were on, uh, you know, your brother Jimmy Kimmel were on vacation all summer. <laughs> so I know, I know you had some time <laughs> off there, but I, I see that he's back in the studio. So you're back in the studio too. That's good. yeah. Hey, that's not, right. not everybody knows that. I mean, I hope I didn't like bust you out there. Not everybody knows <laughs> I don't like, that. You're I don't like playing that too much. We're, we're <laughs> okay. On, I'm sorry. We're all time out. We see things a lot differently. Jimmy Kimmel, like the Jimmy Kimmel. You like vacation, yeah, like the Jimmy yeah, Kimmel. The Jimmy Kimmel. Okay. Did you not know that? No, I'm just a car just screeched in my front yard. It was me driving. Yeah, by. I was like, what? That's him. <laughs> That's his what? brother. Not everybody. Uh, I thought everybody knew that. That's a twin brother, too. Obviously not. Uh, no, no, I'm slack-jawed. You're either, yeah, you're either no. punking me like incredibly. This is the biggest punk ever, right? Like on live. Or that's for real. Or, seriously. Honestly. Raise your right hand. Repeat after me. I, Justin Kimmel, do solemnly swear on my mama's life that no. Jimmy Kimmel is my brother. <laughs> Pro probably. I, Listen, this is just it's too, never, great, too Eric, great podcast content. Yeah, it's never been proved not to be the case <laughs> okay thank you very much i appreciate for, that for what it's worth we lost touch with that side of the family my grandmother told me if they spell it the same i'm related to them but i don't i don't ever really claim claim them like i said we, we I don't live claim on two them. <laughs> that's pretty good what a slacker yeah. i don't claim that slacker he, he can't catch he can't he can't win no boat yeah, he can't yeah. win a derby. Who cares? <laughs> Talk show, small show. You got your bass show, brother. You win. Uh, that's that's it. right, man. Well, you know, Kevin, man, you you got you all these great finishes. Um, you know, and I was just talking about the wins. You know, you had a, a really amazing career before you you know you hung it up. What are we? Are we four or five years now? In uh, man, the last year, last year fishing the elite series was twenty 
15. Okay. And then I fished, uh, did MLF for three more years after that. Right. Um, so, okay. yeah, I mean, uh, I've been away from the kind of the top there for uh, about three years now and uh, perfectly happy with my I started um, in 2015. I started handling the international sales for Bass Cat, and last year they gave me the West Coast too. So wow. now I'm like the uh, Western domestic and international sales director. Okay. Wow. For whatever that's worth for, yeah. uh, for, for Bass Cat and uh, Yarcraft, which is our, uh, our walleye boats. Awesome. So yeah, I handled pretty much everything west of Oklahoma and everything outside the U.S. Nice. That's, that's, a, that's awesome. You're still around the sport. I take yeah. it you still love the sport. How are you? How are you still wet, wetting your appetite for, or are you? Well, for, you just got to win this past weekend, didn't you, Kevin? You well, did. Yeah. I mean, I got to, you know, I got to beat up on the, you know, the local kids here every, every chance that I get, <laughs> which is not very often because I usually, I just, usually I've been giving them my lunch money, you know? Uh-huh. Um, but every once in a while, you know, the old parts kind of figure something out and make it happen. But I, I still fish the, uh, when the schedule works out right, I still fish the, uh, the Bassmaster Opens. Uh, I actually go out west and fish some of the one bass stuff there oh, nice. at Lake Havasu. I fish the U.S. Open at Lake Mead every year. Oh, awesome. Uh, there's, there's a couple of tournaments in Canada that uh, try and fish uh, and then try and fish uh, over in Japan. Uh, they have a couple of tournament series over there. I try and fish, when I, well, up until last year when I could get over there. Uh-huh. I try and fish one or two of those. So, I mean, Very cool. and, and I still fish quite a bit around the house. Um, here, I mean, I, I would say the last two years, I've probably fished more tournaments within two hours of the house than I have in the last 15 years. Wow. Um, just, you know, just cause I've been home. Sure. Um, and I, you know, no, I don't win them all. Yeah. I win a few. Uh, but I mean, I get my butt kicked just like everybody else does. Um, but, and, and usually, uh, you know, usually it was it, you know, like, uh, like Justin said, man, when it's really tough, you know, I've just, I've always, it, it, always been able to figure out how to catch them. And a lot of that I think comes from, uh, when I first started, when I first started competitive bass fishing, I mean, we, we didn't have any really super good lakes in Arkansas at the time. Um, I, you know, fished a lot of stuff on the Arkansas River. Uh, and actually, when I started fishing, it was actually really good. But then it went into one of those periods where it declined. And it was, you know, if you caught nine or 10 pounds, I mean, wow. you were a stud. Um, so, I, I, you know, I, I've seen, and, and we've had some, you know, some some really good lakes over the years. You know, Washita kind of boomed there for a while. And I mean, it, it'd take, you know, mid-20s to win. Dardanelle kind of boomed for a while. It'd take mid to upper 20s to win tournaments mm-hmm. there. Um, so, I mean, we've seen a lot of this in the lakes here in the state. Um, and that, you know, that's that's helped. I know that that's helped shape me when I had to go somewhere that it was just tough to get a bike, as well as, you know, being able to fish some of those lakes when they were really good and going to, like, 
an Amistad or going to a Falcon or going to a Gunnersville where fishing is really good, you know, you know, you kind of know what to expect. Awesome. Yeah. And I, I, I think that's, uh, you know, that that's the thing that popped out to me when I was looking, reminding myself of all your, all your high tournament finishers. I, do you think that, uh, that grinder style, I guess we want, want to call that, that nine to 10 pounds, that period that you kind of grew up on, is that what helped you out the most? You know, probably so because, I mean, in, you know, when it's, when it's super tough and, and you're looking for, I mean, literally you're trying just to get five bites a day. Yeah. Knowing that if you just put five fish in the boat, you're going to do, you know, you may not win, but you're going to do reasonably well. Uh, Cause I, and I, and I, man, years ago, I read something that Clun wrote that said that the tough, and he, and he was right. I mean, he was dead on. He said the tough tournaments are the easiest ones to win because when you're sitting there, you know, the really tough ones where it's just hard to get a bite. When you take off in the morning, 50% of the field is toast. They're done. <laughs> yeah. They have, I mean, they, you know, they're, they're those, you know, you got half the guys sitting there just hoping that they get a bite. Mm. So they're, you know, you can forget about those. They're done. Um, and so those, you know, the, the really, really tough ones can be the easiest ones to win if you keep your mind correct. You know, if you, and, and it, you know, and it all goes, a lot of it goes back to, you know, back to to your own attitude and how you how you approach the day. And, and you know, if you go out there saying, "Oh my God, you know, I'm going to suck. This is going to be a shitty day." And can we say that? Is that okay? Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, you know, this is good. This is going to be a horrible day, man. I'm not going to catch them. It's going to be hot. It's, you know, the water's muddy. The water's high. Whatever the excuse is. You know, if that's the way that you take off in the morning. Well, I got some bad news, man. You might as well just put it back on the trailer and go back mm-hmm. to the house. Because, I mean, you're, you know, you're done. But, uh, you know, if you go out there thinking, okay, and it, it, it doesn't, you know, whether you practice or don't practice, it doesn't matter. I mean, if you just go out there saying, okay, I need to figure out how to catch a fish, just get one bite, just get one bite and then work off of that bite, mm. okay? The next bite leads you to the next one. Mm. And it's, you know, you, you, there's, there's, I see a lot of guys that, and, and I've been guilty of this. We've all been guilty of this because we all fish tournaments. We know exactly when we, when, when you put your boat in the water in the morning and you're sitting there ready to take off, you know exactly how you're going to catch them that day. And that is the absolute worst thing that you can do because yeah. every single day is not like the day before. And it's not going to be like the day after every single day is unique. You know, the conditions are going to be different. Something is going to be different. And I, you know, the, the more I approach a tournament day with, I don't know jack crap about what's going on, the better off I do. Mm. You know, it, it, and I'm saying, and, and I say that, 
you know, you can, you can use, you know, if you did practice for it the day before, you can use maybe what, you know, if you found an area that has a bunch of paint in it or the watercolor looks better or whatever, obviously you want to use that. You don't want to just want to throw that out. You know, maybe that's where you want to start and work mm -hmm. off of that. You know, you get, you've got to use what you did find that was positive in practice, you know, if you practice. Use that, but don't go in there thinking, you know, man, I, you know, I, I'm going to catch them flipping today. Well, you yeah. might. You might catch them on a crankbait. You know, you might catch them on a spinner. You might catch them on a buzzbait. You don't know how you're going to catch them. You know, you just need to be ready and, and keep kind of keep your you – ne you need to be a learner and not a knower. Yeah. Mm. There's, there's, there's learners. Yeah. There's people that look forward. And they're always, you know, they're always trying to learn something each and every day. And then there's people that know everything. And if you don't believe me, just ask them because they know everything. <laughs> well, the knowers, I, I guarantee you that the guys that are learners, the guys that are constantly trying to figure out and put the pieces to the puzzle together, I promise you that learners win more tournaments than knowers do. Because knowers know what they're going to catch them on. They know where they're going to catch them. They know what they're going to catch before the day even starts. But I, I guarantee you nine times out of ten, it doesn't work out that way. Because I can promise you the overwhelming majority of tournaments that I've ever either done well in or actually won did not turn out the way that I thought they were going to. Wow. I, I, you know, especially a three- or a four-day event, you know, between um, between the time the event started and by the time it was all over with, it's never the same. It's just it's it's always different. You got to to, to win a four day event, man. Ninety percent of the time, you've got to adjust each and every single day, and each, sometimes each and every hour. Very yeah. true. It can be different. So, be a learner. Not a knower. There you go. That, that's that's a right pink tip for the evening. <laughs> and that's that's an amazing way to start this conversation out. You know, the mentally strong survive the dog days, those tough tournaments. Oh, we talk absolutely. about you know, for the co-angler guys. I know Ian and I have talked about it. Uh, you know, changing within the moment matters Please. so much when you're trying to just come up with five from the back of the boat. Um, but just that this time of year specifically, you know, that's, that's some great stuff. Kevin, I want to go back. I want to go back. I have no clue where this next question is going to take us. All I know is I look at it on paper. I look at it on, on paper and I see dog days written all over it. August 21 through 23, 2003 Central Open, your first Bassmaster oh, victory. Yeah on the yep. Tennessee Tom Bigby waterway out of Columbus, yep. Mississippi in August. Gross. Yep. 39 pounds, won a three-day, I assume it was a three-day open back then. Yep. 39 yep, pounds, four ounces. Kevin Short wins his first Bassmaster victory. Man, I what wish I had. I've got a copy of the Bass Times. I think I've got it downstairs um, in the safe. But Nice. If you if you look at the copy, if you look at that copy of the Bass Times, I've got a pair of black shorts on. 
And if you look like at, <laughs> just at the waistband of those black shorts, you can see like the salt and the sweat that is like crusted all around my way. I mean, it was, Dude, it was it's Columbus, Mississippi in August. It is Gross, nasty. Man. I'm talking crazy. nasty. I love it, it. It's as it's as slick, greasy, snotty, sweaty, nasty as you can imagine. Okay, I mean it's it's like you know passing out type hot, hotter than hell. Absolutely no wind. Um, and I man, I figured out two little areas. And it and it was it was one of those deals where you just wanted to get five bites every day. The guys that got five bites every day were the guys that were in the top five, six, or seven. Wow. And it wasn't I don't I don't remember <clears throat> being a whole lot of us that got five bites a day. Um, you know, the first day I got five and wow. I left. You know, the second day I got another five. I might have culled. One time, the second day, but what I did is I actually found, um, I found kind of that area within an area mm. on the second day that was hoping to be holding bigger fish, uh, and it was very much a, it seemed to be a time thing. You know, you had to be there at the right time. Uh, the the second day, I got in there a little bit earlier and figured out, okay, I need, you know, I need this this is the time to be here and actually, um, you know, help, help myself there a little bit by culling. And the third day, um, I mean, basically I went to it and kind of plinked around and actually caught a limit in that area, kind of waiting for the sweet spot to kind of juice up. And when it did, I mean, it was like bit slapping on. Dang. It, it was unbelievable. Uh, and I, I mean, if you look at the weight, I mean, I think the first day I probably had, I don't know, I mean, I had six or seven pounds. I think the second day I had seven or, or I had maybe eight or nine pounds. And then the third day, I think I had 15 or 16 or something. Wow. Whoa. I mean, just smoked them. Absolutely. Mm. You know, biggest, biggest bag of the day or the biggest bag of the week, the last day. Um, that's, and that's, that's you know, that's, that's not the, that's not the only time that I, that I did that. I actually did it again at the open on table rock uh, yep. in 2010. You know, I had just a couple of fish the first day, a couple of fish the second day. And then the third day, you know, figured that get just, you know, dialed it in narrower and narrower and narrower narrower and then the third day you know had 16 17 pounds and just crushed them hmm. uh, big, and it's you know you just you've got to keep your head down keep focused and keep learning every single day that, that's that's the key to it man it's just figuring it out a little bit better every single day in a multi-day tournament mm, that's awesome eric what you got man that's Man, really, that was really um, good stuff. By the that way. is really good stuff. Yeah. I, I want to go back to that dog day tournament, you know, Ohio River type of weights. How oh, did yeah. you, once you started and dialed into the area, not excluding the last day for that six or seven pounds that kept you in the hunt, um, how did you trigger the bites? 
what was what was the technique and pattern once you found your area and then worked on the timing i think i think that that first open that i won i think every every single fish that i weighed in all three days were all caught on some some type of crankbait um and it was that that area down there has um, I, I doubt that it's still there, but at the time there was a lot of backwater areas that had a okay. lot of standing timber in them. Oh, nice. And the fish were actually suspended around either the stumps or around the trees that were still like, it had a lot of live cypress trees in it. Sure. Um, the fish were actually suspended around those trees. Uh, they weren't really on the bottom. Um, there was a lot of guys in there that were trying to, you know, trying to flip the stumps, trying to flip the trees, and they were catching a few. But by figuring out, you know, the depth that I needed to be at with the crankbait, I mean, I, I feel like I was able to to do better and get more bites for running a crankbait, or you know, around that stuff um, from the side. And obviously, that's a, you know, that's a front end of the boat kind of thing. You Heck know, the yeah. guy in the back of the boat is screwed. That's a tough um, one. You know, it's, it is tough, and I and I, and I'll tell you. I mean, I've told every single one of my co-anglers, you know, when it's when it's been that, you know, when it's been that scenario, and I know it's going to be tough to, to fish from the back of the boat. You know, I've told every single one of them, look, this is what I'm doing, this is why I'm doing it, and you know, you're gonna. All I can tell you is you're going to be around them. And it's, you know, it's up to you to figure out how to, how to catch them, because I know this is going to work for me. Uh, doubt that it's going to work for you, <laughs> but you're going to be around. Them. <laughs> there you go. What, what were your two follow-up questions? What were your, what was your crankbait lineup um, in that derby? What was the successful crankbait or was there more than one? Oh my gosh. If he pulls one off the wall, it's going to be awesome. And then <laughs> I'll wait till he gets back to ask the follow-up. So, all right. So the, the successful crankbait we get okay. to see first. And then my follow-up question is, if you were allowed to tell your co, let's say flip the switch, it's a team derby, and you know you got to crank that standing timber and stumps to catch them. What are you going to tell your co? And the co's never been to this water. He's got no experience. Let's say he's a, he's a guy like me. <laughs> what are you going to put in my hand with your knowledge and experience? And I just show up like I got teleported into your boat <laughs> okay. and I've got one rod and one reel. <laughs> okay. What, what am I throwing? So let's talk about the crankbait okay. first. Um, I, as best I remember, I actually used three different crankbaits. Okay. Uh, two of them, two of them the first day, one of them, uh, man, one of them was a Bagley, Killer B2, or no, a deep Killer B2. Oh, DKB, man. Yeah, I don't remember what the color was now. I mean, I, I would I would suspect it was probably just something real simple like Tennessee Shad, sure. uh, nothing real outrageous, because the water was pretty clear. I mean, it was, it was, yep. um, the water was dark. Okay. It was kind of tannic, but it was <laughs> clear. So I, I, it was probably a, a Tennessee Shad. All right. Um, let it, let other, it look. Lead in the lip, old old Winter Haven one. Lead in the lip or no lead in the lip on that DKB? No, no, okay. no, 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 no oh, not wow. the not the one with the lead. No. Okay. Uh, just the just a regular DKB two. Um, yep. I also had um, for and that was I mean those those fish were probably 
five to six foot deep. They okay. You know, they weren't super deep. Sure. Um, I had some that were a little bit shallower or, you know, in the morning they might be a little bit shallower and I would actually catch Norman had just come out with a, a little bait called the thin end. It's a little kind of a little punk, pumpkin seed looking bait uh, with a little coffin bill. Uh, and we had actually, we had actually taken another, we, the guy, a buddy of mine that worked for Norman at the time and I had been catching them on a little a similar bait that was made out of wood, but it was flat sided. Mm-hmm. It had kind of the action. I mean, it had a really good tight action. And they and Norman had a bait at the time that was shaped kind of like the thin end, but it was a round bait. Mm-hmm. We actually heated some of them up in, in boiling water and put them between two two by fours in a vise <laughs> and flattened them out. That's because awesome. we wanted we wanted a you know, we awesome. wanted a flat sided plastic bait, and at the time nobody built a flat sided plastic bait. So Wait a minute! Took, no way, man! For real? Not even the thin end? I mean the uh, thin end for man making this shit up, man. Come on! We actually took the. I think it was called a. Uh, I think it was called a mad end or something. It was yeah, a little yeah. round. They didn't have the thin man from Mans back then. Uh, Mike Canelli had a hand in it, man. man. The little speedy uh, man. I don't no, know. Hell no. All right, keep going, no, man. We didn't, we didn't have any of that, Joe. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we actually flattened some of these out and took That's them and so started catching crazy. fish. Off. That's so crazy. So, so that I mean, I was using that, and then the last day or the, the second day, I got out in some deeper timber. I, I had limit. And I pulled into this bigger area that had a lot of green cypress trees in it. And it was, man, the water in there was probably 12 to 14 foot. It was deeper water. Mm. Uh, and, I, and I saw a lot of big uh, gizzard chads roaming around these trees. And I was like, oh, my God, you know, if these, if these dudes are roaming around in here, there's got to be somebody in here that would eat, you know? So yeah. I actually caught. I, mean, I actually caught one that was probably about three pounds, which improved, you know, that improved my bag dramatically that second day. Yeah, and that third day, you know, the, you know, the morning of the third day, it's like, well, hell, I know exactly where I'm going. I'm staying there all day, you know, until I figure it out. And I went in there, caught a little limit on the shallow up there in three or four foot of water on the on the little thin end. And then it seems like about eleven. So I got out in the deeper timber with this dude That's and just absolutely smoked them. This is um, the Balsa B3. And That's been was, painted. <laughs> Lavender was, shad. Yeah, yeah, this one this one's painted. Um, mm-hmm. I was if I remember right, I was throwing it on 15 pound fluorocarbon. Yeah. So, I mean, it was running maybe four or five foot because you couldn't make a real long cast because of all the trees. But it was the closest thing that I had to those bigger gizzard shad. And I don't remember what the weight was that day, but it was more than anybody else had caught any day of the tournament. Yeah, man. I, just, I got it. Just blew gotta, everybody else away. What's up with that red hook? Was, yeah, yeah, man. I mean, dude, that's, that's a gamakatsu, I mean, baby. You bet. That's a gummy. Um, that bait, I mean, literally, it's been sitting over there on that trophy since 
Dude, right. that's so uh, awesome, man. Look at the paint chewed you know. off the hook. The All right. Well, yeah. off the hook. Let's, let's talk about hooks, why guys. it's red. Is is there is are are you a red hook on your crankbaits guy, or is it just like by chance, or what's going on there? Nah, that's a bullshit thing. I that's love it though. I don't believe you. That's all that that is. No, no, that's no, all, man. That's all right no. here. No, because look, look, Kevin. <laughs> so, look Kevin, how many? That... <laughs> Kevin, hold on, Rich. I got an important point. Look what happens to the hook when the paint gets chewed off. There's some gold underneath yeah, them hills, baby. You bet. Mm, and it gets better as yeah. they chew it up, Rich. So oh, let me let me tell it. you this. Huh. My wife, my wife is when she was a kid, mm -hmm. her dad owned a dive shop, like scuba diving. I mean, she's like a whatever the diving certification group is. She's like a class twenty-seven dive instructor and has been since she was like sixteen. Okay. Um, I mean, that's what she grew up doing. They, they grew up going all around the world, diving in all these really cool places. And I came home after buying probably a couple hundred dollars worth of red hooks. And I was showing them to her and telling them how to, how, telling her how to fish, you know, they, they really attracted to that red under the water and everything. She looked at me, she says, hmm, you know what the first color to disappear underwater is? Red. I'm like, no, what is it? It's red. Well, maybe that's why. <laughs> Maybe that's why they can't see the hook because <laughs> they inspect so. it when it's when it's zooming by them on that. No, they can't see that hook anyway, man. They're just uh, biting it, it. Hey, as fast you know as what? I'm breaking it home, they hell no, I promise you. So you were crashing, anyway. you were crashing the bait to to trigger the strikes. I'm sure. Oh yeah, you had to. You did not hit one of the trees or limbs. We're gonna have to talk something. more about there this. Was, you were not, dude. You weren't gonna get a bite. No, right. you had to it was. I mean, every fish that I caught, <clears throat> you had to hit the cover. Had to. Round yeah. bend or EWG on your trebles? I see both round. I mix them round and an EWG. I'll, I'll do one of these. Do you care? You know, does the, it matter? I, I, with with smallmouth, I prefer mm. EWG. Interesting. Because they i know that i know for a fact that they hold better but i feel like because on an ewg i mean if you look at an ewg the point on the hook is actually pointing in mm -hmm. towards the shank that's right that's not a good thing yeah okay that that actually makes that hook harder to hook a fish i mean if it's pointing straight out like this it's easier to hook a fish than if that point is angled in, okay? Right. However, with smallmouth, they are typically so ferocious and, and so vicious when they bite a moving bait like that, that hooking them is not a problem. I mean, they, they most of the time, they hook themselves. Largemouth, right. spotted bass, and, and our southern smallmouth are usually not that aggressive. So I, if... If the fish are super aggressive, um, yeah, I, I don't have a problem with EWGs. If the, the for for finicky fish, for fish that are not quite as aggressive, I am not a fan of the sure. EWG style hook. Okay, yeah, sla just, the slashing. You know, my two cents. Yeah. Okay, you know that this is some some great stuff, guys. This conversation, and I want to get back to this tournament. Most of all, the the point I wanted to bring out what Kevin's said about this story is he caught low weights. He had a total of 39 pounds. 
he caught low weights under 10 pounds a day and then came back with a big, big bag. That is what I feel like is possible everywhere you go this time of year where yes, oh, yeah. to get in the money or, or just to have a good day of fishing five bites is good. And, but the opportunity at a just drop the mics type of bag is there. Do you, sure. do you believe that to be true, Kevin? I, yes, I believe that. And, and it's, I'm not going to say it's easier to do this time of year, but you're exactly right. It is possible right. to do it because, I mean, you know, the biologists have told us for years that the hotter the water is, the more, the, the higher the metabolism is for the fish and the more they have to eat. Now, they may not eat and they may not be aggressive all day long. There may be an incredibly small window that they're going to feed in, but when they do feed, it's going to be ferocious. That's right the reason on. that a lot of times in the in the summertime, early fall, you see you know a lot of fish, you know what we call in the south schooling, where yep. they're they're you know they're they're chasing bait, they're bunching them up, and it typically happens for a short period of time, either first thing in the morning, or right before dark, and that's it. Yep. And in between, it's hard to get a bite. Well, guess what? That's because, you know, those fish are, that's the time that they are actively feeding. It doesn't, it doesn't you know, there's not a lot of places where it goes all day long. Now, as the water, as, as the temperatures and the water cools down, it will happen all day long in some lakes, okay? But when it's, you know, when the water temperature is still in the 80s, 90s, uh-uh, it's a real short mm-hmm. window. And if you're there in the right place at the right time, oh, it's it's fantastic. And if you're not in that right place at the right time, oh, it can be pretty sucky, you know. And <laughs> you know, um, my uh, team partner and I won a tournament last uh, Saturday. It was the same exact thing. I mean, I had found um, I found a little area on the river that had a bunch of shad in it, and I'd caught. Two, I think I caught two little uh, spotted bats. And I thought, well, you know, we'll run down here the first thing in the morning. We'll try and catch us five, you know, a little spotted bass, get us a limit, you know, that weighs maybe six pounds. And then we'll worry about catching a largemouth, you know, and, and, and upgrading as the day goes on. Well, we rolled down to this little place that, you know, seemed to have a bunch of spotted bass in it. The first I caught, uh, man, I caught a, one that was three and uh, a three pound largemouth, and it had a two pound largemouth on the other hook. What? And there was four or five others swimming around it. I'm like, what? <laughs> What's going on here? Well, the next <laughs> one I caught, and the next one I caught was like three and a half. Dang. And then I caught a four and a quarter. Oof. And I'm like, what? I, I, I had no idea. All I knew is I wanted to go down there and catch me five little spotted bass. <laughs> and wound up, I mean, we wound up catching a limit there, you know, um, and, and in, in the first 45 minutes. That's crazy. That went down. And it was like right place, right time. Yep. You know, man, and, right bait. In that, the truth. And the right, yeah, and the right bait. Yeah. Rich, I Heck know yeah, we've man. a ton of questions coming on the message board. I want to give them a chance to ask. We, we'll dive right back in here with Kevin, but I know we want to give away some prizes too, so uh, have at it. Hey, real quick, back to Eric's second question. Yeah. If if you had been 
in the back, fact, the, the guy that was in the back of my boat that last day um, on the Tom Bigby, he asked me, he said, what can I throw behind? After I told him what I was doing, he said, what can I throw behind you? I said, the best thing for you to throw is a double willow half-ounce spinnerbait. Try and get it up against the trees, and you will, if you get it up against the trees, you will catch a fish. And he did. All right. That's the answer to your question. All right. That's awesome, man. Now let's give away some stuff. Good stuff, man. I think the right answer was a Senko, but good good, good, (laughs) good answer anyhow, Kev. Pete's not here. Pete's not here. You bet. Pete's not here. That's always the right answer if we got uh, old PDG on the on the show with us but uh yeah as always guys we're gonna throw in a few questions here from our awesome bass university subscribers uh and the first question i'm gonna go with is from matt gowdy and matt gowdy's gonna win himself a 25 dollar gills gear uh gift card for this question and matt wants to know what is the most underrated summer fishing lure for the dog days of summer and also what is the most overrated lure for the dog days of summer Wow. So let's hit both question. sides. Yeah, I like the what's second the, part. What's the most underrated? What's the most overrated? Man, I got to go, hmm, wow. Come on. That's go. really going to depend on where you're at. I'm going to answer it for where I'm at. Yes. Okay. Um, I think the most underrated, probably the most underused, would be a lipless crankbait. Ooh. Okay. Sir, heck I know yeah, a man. lot of guys. You know, and, and, you know, around here, mm-hmm. a lot of guys throw them early in the year when the mm-hmm. water's cool, when the water's warming up, throw them around the grass, whatever. But it seems like after the fish get out of that, um, that pre-spawn mood, guys put their lipless crankbaits away and don't think about them. But it is the perfect shad imitator. You can fish it a foot deep. You can fish it 30 foot deep and everywhere in between. And it catches everything and it catches every size of everything. Okay. The most overrated. Say it. Man. Most overrated is probably freaking Senko. Oh, yeah. You just made Brian's <laughs> night. <laughs> the show of the oh, year. Kevin no, Pink I'm, right I'm here. Kidding. Show's over. Thanks for coming. Thanks for put a pin on it. It's wrapped up. Appreciate you coming on tonight. You hear that, Pete Glusick? He's watching. I don't know, man. I I don't know that. I don't know that there's anything that you can really say is overrated because there's a there's a lot of baits that guys don't think about that will catch fish in the summertime. You know, a lot of guys don't think about a topwater bait. It's mm. being a good, you know, they, they think about it early in the morning, late in the evening. Sure. Dude, you can catch some giant fish on it right in the middle of the day, especially yeah. like, uh, you know, a little popper, you know, uh, something like that. It, it's awesome um, in, in the summertime. So I, I but yeah, the Cinco around here is just bad. I'm great. I'm sorry. Right. <laughs> so what's the next question? <laughs> no, that was great. We're going to end the show. Yeah. <laughs> we're ending on a high note baby we're it. out see you <laughs> drop that's a drop the mic moment cheers <laughs> too good what All else right. you got rich uh the next question is from uh tom s in chicago and uh tom s i hope that you're credible with your sources here because i didn't fact check it Uh-oh. but apparently uh Uh-oh. kevin you you spent some time fishing in japan is that correct 
That's correct. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Good. Um, what is your favorite technique that you picked up while fishing in Japan? Um, and what lure uh, would you say was the most popular uh, used while you were in Japan? Snitty. The uh, the 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 one technique that I've used the most that that I actually I never saw until I went over there was they have um, they have what they call a free rig. I mean, you guys have probably seen it now. Yep, mm-hmm. we got an interview on Bashu TV about it actually. Okay, well, I the first time I went over there, uh, it's been five five or six years ago now. I that was the first time that I I'd ever seen it, and it. It is for those of those of you that don't know. It's basically a hook, I mean, just a just a EWG, you know, a wide gap hook, whatever kind of. It's usually done with soft plastics, whatever soft plastic you like to use. For you cinco lovers, if you want to use it on a cinco, <laughs> that's fine. It's not that's not considered gay or anything. <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with that. Um, so you've got a hook, and they have these little cylindrical weights that actually, instead of being having like a, a pin or an anchor at the top, it's actually got a little loop molded into the top of the weight so it slides up and down your line. So basically, you thread this little weight on, you put, you tie your hook on, put whatever soft plastic that you want on, and it basically, the soft plastic is actually up off the bottom just a little bit, and it, when it really... Uh, comes into play is when you drag it along the, the plastic kind of it, it it truly swims freely behind the weight and it's kind of a it's it's kind of a finesse technique but i mean if you want to throw it on 20 pound line you can certainly do that i mean you know, if you yeah. want to throw it on eight pound line you can certainly do that so i mean a wide variety of bait uh, and it just it gives the fish a little bit different look, a little bit different presentation to a Texas rig that holds the bait, right, pegs it right to the bottom. So a free swinging Texas rig, like it's an unpegged Texas rig. Why won't that? It's it's not the same. It doesn't have the same. It doesn't have the same action. And I actually did that. You know, didn't peg right. the weight, but it just the the way that the weight actually the weight actually sits up off the bottom just a little bit so your bait's up here instead of being down here on the bottom it just so gives it a, it's a drop shot it's weight like, with it's a, like little a little circle. it's like a little pencil drop shot weight but instead of having the the little uh pin at the top it's got a loop or a perfectly round loop at the top of the weight so it actually slides up and down your line yeah, well, that's amazing, and I, I'm glad you brought that point because Pete and I were having a conversation last week about this rig and trying yeah. to figure out what's the difference. Is it really going to be that? And I think you hit the nail on the head for for the subtle differences that our friends in Japan are so good at finding. Yeah. And yeah. here's the de- deal. The winning co-angler of the uh, Toyota Series at St. Lawrence won on heavy line, free rigging, a yeah. like five-inch five, five Cinco. Yep. On the, that's, I, I mean, can believe it. You know, and he smashed it. Believe it. So wow, wow. Right. The, yep. Going in the in the tackle stores over there. Um, it, it depends on which side of the island you're on. If the tackle stores around Lake Biwa mm-hmm. tend to have more hard baits, whether it's big swim baits, whether it's crank baits, uh, jerk baits, whatever. 
the tackle stores on the eastern side of the island where the river systems are and the smaller lakes, they tend to have more soft plastics um, and not as many hard baits. Um, because, you know, most of the, it seems like most of the anglers that fish Lake Biwa, they're looking, you know, they want to catch big mama. You know, so they're, I mean, you see a lot of guys up there chunking 12, 13 inch swim baits, depending on the time of year, obviously. Um, but they're, you know, they're into throwing big stuff, trying it's because they have bigger fish, you know, obviously in that lake. Uh, the guys on the, on the river systems on the Eastern side of the Island, uh, they're just wanting to get bit, you know, they're, they're just looking to catch a two pounder. So those typically are more of your finesse guys. That's New Jersey. They're the New Jersey guys. That's New Jersey. Exactly. You got it. Very interesting. Ke- Kevin, I bet you they got better food question. on that side of the island, though. Is that correct? <laughs> yes. Which side? The island with the small fish. Eastern Which side? side? East, east side, west side? East side. Food's better. Dude, everywhere that I've been over there, the food's pretty damn good. Oh, I, I can't. I'm not, I'm not going to start a civil war by saying east side, <laughs> west side. It's all good. I have, I have no problem eating any of it. But, J.K., that, stuff with eyeballs. Right. that that free rig oh, makes sense in current, that. though, if you think about it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, exactly. It's just like an old yes. bell sinker that you got as a kid when you went yep. catfishing, man. I mean, right. that, if you want to get cheap, just yep. go to Walmart yep. and buy a bell sinker and paint yep. it with a Sharpie black or nail polish and if you don't mind the size of it, and frankly, it probably would disturb the bottom a bit more. It might not get down as fast, but you don't have to buy tungsten to do it. Yeah, and those right. those sinkers are uber cheap. Yeah, better than that. Mm. The bigger it is, the less likely it's getting snagged in the zebra mussels. One hundred percent. That's true. Yep. I learned exactly. that exactly at the St. Lawrence. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Good stuff. Good, great stuff. And it wasn't Rich, a senko. It was a it was a G crack uh, bellows stick. Oh, that's right. Yep. Right. You crack bellows stick. Rich, we want to go one more yeah. before we dive back in. Yeah, let's let's do let's do one more for now. I'm I'm sure we'll bring in uh bring in more later. Um I got some from YouTube too when you're Okay. Done. Uh this next question is gonna be from uh Howie Range. Um Howie. and uh he's gonna he's gonna win himself a twenty five dollar uh gift card to Gills with this as well. Um because it's a crankbait question, and we got some crankbait guys uh, on the message board right now, or on the on the show right now, the panel. And uh, Howie Range wants to know, Kevin, uh, what are the situations that you go more towards the flat or slender style crankbaits as opposed to the round-bodied crankbaits? Most of the time, um, that's going to depend on the cover. The the huh? Okay. The I would have thought water. The thing. easier it is, the easier it is to get hung up. Um, the more I'm going to go round because round baits typically float have less weight in them and they have more flotation, and they actually will float up away from the uh, cover and get hung up less. Um, if the you know if it's something like you know I'm fishing maybe um, just single logs or just small pieces of wood. Uh, a lot of times then I'll throw more of a flat-sided bait because typically those are smaller, have a smaller profile, uh, and mimic, you know, smaller bluegill, smaller shad, um, whatever. Uh, but the, it, it's, they, they will, because they're flat-sided, 
they're thinner, lighter. Uh, they typically won't have as much uh, weight in them, and they won't have as much flotation in them either. Okay, you got to have a certain amount of weight just to be able to throw them. I mean, typically with those smaller baits, you, you know, by the time you get enough weight in them, what in the hell is flying around your face, really? Uh, there's, 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 there's fruit flies flying around the studio right now, man. And I'm, Perfect. I'm, I'm just in here throwing hands, trying to, trying to, trying to grab them up, dude. You shadow boxing, man. You were, you were like shadow boxing the ghost. Yeah. Um, the, the flat-sided baits are typically going to float up slower away from the cover. Uh, so, I mean, if it's like real thick, gnarly stuff, man, I'm not going to throw, a, you know, a, a flat-sided bait in there unless I absolutely have to because it's more than likely going to get hung up. Whereas a round bait, um, it, they're typically, unless those are weighted really heavy, those are going to float higher. They're also going to go, typically those are going to have a bill, you know, more like this. It's got a little bit more angle on it, and they're going to go through the water a little bit more down to keep that front hook away from getting snagged up. I hope that answers your question. Thank you, Tom S. from Chicago. Oh, uh, that was Howie Range, but it was a great, oh, great, Range. great Sorry, answer. <laughs> great answer, nonetheless. Um, and uh, actually, I- I'm just going to go ahead and take the floor myself here. And uh, the, ne- the next question <laughs> is going to come from uh, 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 Jimmy's River Rat Saloon. And <laughs> uh, be curious. Yeah. He wants to know, uh, in the dog days of summer, on that Delaware River tournament that you fished, uh, Kevin, uh-huh. what were some of the key yeah. features that uh, that you were seeing in uh, in the creek down a little s- more southerly than most people would uh, venture? Uh, what were some of the key features that, that clued you in uh, down there? And talk a little bit about some of the things that made you decide to fish uh, fish down there. What, what was the deal? I know the number one. But that was, <laughs> the, there was actually... There's actually two things that maybe decide to stay down there. One of them was the amount of bait that I, I was actually in there one day. I think the one day that I went down there, I got in there as the tide was coming out. And I was actually in there when it bottomed out. Oof. And I was, you know, all the way in the back, actually bottomed out. And the, the whole back end of that creek was loaded with grass um a lot of it was hydrilla and it was like the most perfect nursery pond that you've ever seen Mm. there was all kinds of little bluegill and uh shad you know small bass and 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 when the when the tide fell out that day i was in there it it was uh, you know it got gin clear and i could see um i mean i could see everything uh, all all across the back of that creek and i was just amazed and, and i actually caught several fish in there uh, going in so i mean i knew that there was bass in there i had no idea how many um but i, I mean i knew there was some and i knew they weren't going anywhere you know because mm-hmm. i mean they were going to live in the back of that creek uh but but seeing you know seeing all of that bait and knowing that there was a few fish in there um, and I mean, all I had to do was get in there and figure out how to catch five the first day, how to catch five the second day, and then work off of that. I, I really, that was probably the most important thing. The second most important thing 
is I only saw one other boat in that creek. Yeah. Um, I, the whole week of the tournament, I only right. saw one other boat in right. that creek. Right. How, That's um, it. how, how, uh, how tide affected did it get back there on you? Like, was it, was it stable in the sense that were you able to fish through the tides and feel like you could get bites through the, you know, what we would consider the bad water. And for people that aren't watching, we're talking about the Delaware river back of a Creek where, you know, typically, um, you know, high water becomes tough water. How did it hold up for you through the, through the higher tides? We were that down there every day, the tide was falling. I never had to deal. I don't think I had to deal with it being full Mm -hmm. until maybe the last day. And the way that the tide was running then, it wasn't full for very long before it started falling back out again. Mm -hmm. Um, So I didn't, I don't really remember having a really dead period, but because of weird you know, because it was further down river. Right. Then it were, was it, totally very, different. Right. Right. Yeah. Very it was totally different from guys fishing the upper river. Right. You know, oh, the, yeah. the tide was, uh, and, and it didn't fall as dramatically down there as it did further up because it was, you know, it, there wasn't a nine foot fluctuation in the back of that Creek. Cause that was geez, six or seven miles off the river. Mm. You didn't have time it didn't have time to fall all the way out before it started coming back in. Right. It was almost like the whole time I was in there, the water was moving one way or the other because it was so far off the river back in there. Mm -hmm. Now, if it had been, you know, a shorter Creek, you know, maybe only a mile or two. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it would have, you know, the, the, like, like some of the other creeks further up, I mean, the, the tide, you know, you'd have like a six, seven, eight mile an hour current going out when the tide fell and then coming back in and it would fall, you know, six, seven or eight foot. Well, this was so far off of the, off of the river that it just didn't, it, it didn't affect it that much. It was mm-hmm. just shit ass luck right? is all that was. <laughs> that's river rat, man. I mean, you were river rat. Luck, that, that can, man. Yeah. But the tide, the tide fluctuation changes daily. Yeah. You know, you, you have yeah. high means and, and, and then of course you've got the wind factor. And so, that's yeah that that's constantly changing i had to stay yes. on the floor there no no i mean dog, awesome, dog, dog, day, it, dog days of summer with that, that that's a uh condition on the delaware river pretty much 365 days a year yeah of just dog hard, days. <laughs> kind of, hard days of kind just of dog, thought, yeah. dog dogs of fishing <laughs> i think that was kate pink's river rat soul just going to the back of a creek that's uh, 10 miles long i mean and no one else is in that's river rat man talking yeah. in his soul i'm hey, telling you so, something you guys don't know the i think it was the second man okay maybe it was the third day that i got in there the tide was almost bottomed out wow. first thing in the morning and there was one section there that had some trees oh, that yeah. were laid down. I know the one you're talking in the about. River. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I had the, the first two days, I'd, I'd been able to kind of scooch around the end of it uh-huh. and get up over the limbs and go on back in there. And then when I came out, the water was, you know, the water was up and it wasn't any problem. That last day, I was going in and it was almost bottomed out. And I had to actually cut one of the, you know, the limbs. I had to cut a couple of the limbs off to get around the end of it to get over that little mud flat to get back in the creek 
So, I mean, I'm up there. And of course, um, my uh, observer can't help. I mean, he can't hold the boat. He can't do mm -hmm. anything. All he can do is sit there and watch. Yeah. Uh, thank God for power poles because I was actually able to, you know, yeah. pull right up, drop the power poles, do my cutting, get the limbs out of the way, and then go on. So I, I do that, go back in there, catch me another limb, come back. I get back to uh, I get back to uh, weigh in. I get checked in, I idle up there, or pull up to the, the little weigh-in thing, and one of the tournament officials comes down. <laughs> he looks at me and he says, I just want you to know we're not, not going to have to disqualify you. What? I'm like, do what? Disqualify me for what? I just got here. I haven't done anything. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to have to disqualify you for cutting that limb. I'm like, what are you talking about cutting the limb? Well, they, they were evidently... I didn't know it at the time, but my observer had videoed me cutting this limb right. and sent it back in to back. Well, they had been running it, you know, on the lot, whatever, the live or whatever. Well, they were concerned that some tree hugger up there in Jersey was going to freak out because oh. I was cutting Wait, you didn't get five DQ'd, trees. Did you? Huh? You didn't get DQ'd. No. Oh. No, they thought I was cutting live trees to get back in this place. And I'm like, oh, my God, no, they were dead as a doorknob. <laughs> and yeah, they, were they were falling over in the river. What the heck? <laughs> so I was like, good God. Caught me some slack. Mm. I'm just trying to piss on Mike Iaconelli's um, parade here. Oh my God, <laughs> so all I want to do is piss on Ike's parade, man. <laughs> Give me a break. Damn it. Okay. Kevin, uh, man. Oh, wow. Great stuff. I I I want to bring something up, and you tell me if this is true. But I'm starting to see I'm starting to see a common denominator in some of the other tournaments that I know about that are in this dog day period that we haven't really talked about. You took me way back to Columbus, Mississippi. Educated us on that one that uh, I had never even really heard about how that went down. So that was an awesome awesome take but cranking man cranking and it's you know i heard plastic and balsa so i don't know if there's you know a different if it's a both and thing but why is it so effective throughout this period why is the, the this crankbait thing so effective probably because a crankbait is the crankbait's one of the best tools that we have at getting a reaction bite that's what it all mm. comes back to mm. um you can there's so many different crankbaits out there so many different sizes so many depths you can target almost any depth that you need to with a crankbait uh from you know from zero foot down to 20 foot and they they elicit reaction bites when nothing else will and a lot of times when, like we talked about earlier, you know, in the, in the, in the hot summertime, there may only be really small windows when those fish are actively feeding. So true. And the other times they're just there. They're just sitting there. They're not expending energy. They're not chasing anything. They're trying to hide in the shade. They're trying to hide up under a dock. You know, they're trying to get up against something, get out of the sun. Uh, just just like we would be, and here comes you know here comes this 
this little bluegill and crashes into their little boat dock or crashes into their stump or lay down or whatever, and they literally just react to it. They're not, I mean, they're not, you know, they're not necessarily feeding. They're not necessarily um, chasing anything, but it's just something that gets right in their face and they want to make it go away. Um, you know, Riz is doing the same thing with the, you know, with the, the gnats or fruit flies or whatever. I mean, he's <laughs> reacted to, you know, he's swatting them away. Yeah. That's and a micro, micron bait. <laughs> don't have hands, man. You know, if they're going to get rid of something, they got to grab it with their mouth and, and spit it out. Yep. So, you know, a lot of times, you know, when you catch a fish uh, on a crankbait and it's, you know, it, it's buried in their, you know, in the back of their throat, um, you know, they're either super aggressive or they stuck that thing in and they were about to blow it back out to get it away from, to get it out of their face. I think that's probably the the number one reason that that crankbaits of whatever you know whether it's a you know whether it has a bill or whether it's a lipless they they get those reaction strike just pure reaction strike that I mean I'm sorry but a cinco just won't get that bite maybe <laughs> so I got, I got here we a, go <laughs> sorry Pete I I got a follow up question for you you know. Um, somewhat based on what Justin just mentioned. So plastic versus balsa. And then I want to go through the water column and just probe you for a minute and your brain and, and, and get to your top picks in the zero foot to one foot range, super shallow all the way down. If you could only have one crankbait in each of those categories, what are you bringing to the game? So wood versus plastic. Is there something special about wood? And would you always pick wood over plastic? Let's, no. let's talk about that. Okay. I would not always pick wood over plastic. It totally depends on the situation. Sure. Um, I've never found a wooden wake bait. You know, a bait that one runs zero to two foot. I've never found a wooden one that I mm -hmm. thought was as good as the plastic ones that are out there. Sure. Uh, whether it's a, you know, a baby one minus. Um, now we're or, talking. Yeah. Or a um, man, six six cents. Uh, Casey makes um, a little ADX wake bait. Mm -hmm. It's an awesome. It's, it's yeah. a bigger weight bait. The, the movement eighty. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Down to uh, you know down to two three foot deep um, for that one. Um, from three to man, from three foot down to five or six. I, I mean, I'm going to have a mixture of wood and plastic, okay. uh, depending on what I'm trying to do and also what I'm fishing it around. Um, sure. The overwhelming majority of the time when I'm fishing wood, uh, any, any kind of a wooden bait, I'm fishing it around wood. Mm. Um, Ding. You know, I'm usually, uh, I'm usually bouncing it off of wood, you know, running it up against the wood. Uh, plastic, I, I've, I've found very few plastic baits that have the same buoyancy as a wooden bait does, uh, particularly if it's a balsa bait. Uh, the plastic just, it, they just, I don't care how you weight on, how meticulous they are, they just don't seem to have the buoyancy. They seem to get hung up uh, more than a really good wooden bait. Um, I, I mean, I, I a lot of uh, the Lucky Strike, 
I'm sorry, Lucky Craft 1.5. Uh, and, and I have since they came out. Typically, I'll use those either around grass or around rock. Um, it's not worth a crap at fishing around wood because it wants to marry every piece of wood that it ever gets next to. <laughs> True. Um, that's, I mean, that's typically where I'm going to throw, um, you know, a, a, either a WCE1 uh, or an E2. Uh, is that there you go? There you go. Um, in that, in that, you know, three to five foot, uh, range. I mean, that's, that's my number one, uh, bait in wood and plastic deeper than that. Um, I mean, there's, there's so freaking many crankbaits out there that it's oh, yeah. really hard to, I mean, it's really hard to say, but after, well, you know, there's so many, it, after you get, you know, down to seven, 10, 15 foot deep it's almost all become plastic sure. because there's so many good plastic baits out there. Um, 20 years ago, I mean, the, you know, the, the best deeper diving crankbaits that we had were a post 300 or a post 400. Sure. And I, you know, you can't even find one of those anymore. That's, you know, that's worth a crap um, mm-hmm. because, because guys just don't throw them. I mean, they just, they don't throw them because, 5XD, the 6XD, the DTN, DT16. Man, all of those baits are so much easier to deal with. You know, Mm -hmm. you don't have to worry about the bills coming out of them. You don't have to worry about the bodies, you know, breaking. They're available in a bazillion different colors. Um, I I mean, that's totally changed. I mean, when I first started throwing a deeper diving crankbait, I mean, that's what we threw was either a post 300 or a post 400. That's just, that's all that there was until the um, fat-free shad came along. Mm. Um, I I mean, you know, we didn't have anything that was really uh, a a deeper diving crankbait that was plastic. Uh, That, that, I mean, that was a really, really good crankbait. The DD-22 was, um, you know, it was probably the first one that I used a lot, caught a lot of fish on it, but man, it was so hard to throw because it was all of the weight was in the you know all the weight was up here in the front and it was such a big bait and had such a big bill on it that it would catch wind like crazy um but when um when that fat free shad Mm. came out especially that bigger one i mean you could throw it a mile and it you know it, it, it tracked really well dove really well uh and and caught a lot of fish and you know and, and like say now with the yeah, it still does. Yeah. And, and like I say now with the, you know, the stuff that Strike King's done oh, with yeah. the 6XD, the even the 8XD and the 10XD, I mean, you know, you can cover all kinds of water with that. But I, I, I mix it up a little bit. Um, I will sometimes in, um, in the winters, if I'm throwing crankbaits, I will throw um, flat-sided, you know, smaller wooden baits. Um, not necessarily around rock um, because rock's so hard on them. But, you know, if, if I'm just, you know, if I'm just fishing down the bank, um, you know, or fishing grass, something like that, I will throw wood. But typically it's wood on wood, plastic on everything else. Yeah, man. Typically. In the, in the Zoom and, lineup. And that, and, oh, go ahead. And, well, and I'll say this. I mean, get, finding a really good consistent wooden bait 
has gotten a whole lot harder to do um, after uh, Ed Chambers passed away. Um, I mean, there's a lot of guys out there that build really good baits. Um, I mean, I've bought, you know, quite a few of them from different, different builders. Um, and, and they, you know, they build some really good baits, but getting 12 of them that 11 of them are the same is damn near impossible. I mean, it is so hard to be consistent either, you know, either in the, the way that they, that all the baits swim or it's really hard to be consistent in the painting. I mean, I know some guys that are really good at painting baits, uh, but even they have a hard time painting 25, 30, 50 baits all exactly the same. And um, Ed was one of those guys that had the patience and had the, um, you know, he just had the mental fortitude that, I mean, almost every single one of his baits was exactly the same. I mean, I could get 12 baits and I could know that at least 11 of them were going to run the same, track the same, run the same depth, and almost and way within a gram or two sure. of exactly the same, every single one of them. Yeah. And I've never, I, I'm sure there's somebody else out there that's that meticulous. But there's one. I, I mean, I, there, there's I, I've one not or found two. them yet. No. Okay. Well, you know, I'm, Marty, I'm not, Marty I have no Burns. Doubt. Marty Burns, Big yeah. M. Yeah. Um, he's, do you know him? He's, he's awesome. I've, Very I've consistent. I've seen his stuff. Yep. 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 And there's some really super consistent painters out there. You know, I got a mad yeah. respect for TK Stanley at Tackle Craft. Um, he's a master painter, in my opinion, and right. can, can pump them out. But I, I hear you, man. I mean, from a Zoom consistency perspective, and I think the wood, I, the balsa, the premium balsa is harder to get. They're making, yeah. I never knew this, the, the wind farms, the blades yeah. are made out of balsa. So yes, the support, the supports, the structural right. supports, yeah. those are all cut out of balsa. Yeah, wow, that crazy. completely, I mean, that devastated the balsa bait business when it those sure guys did. started using, because uh, they got all of the big number one green yeah. balsa. Yeah, now can we get... Could we get a destroyed blade and have somebody make like a thousand crankbaits out of one of those? Oh my God. That would be awesome. Yeah, like, that I'm would sure be they awesome. retire could... those blades, man. Let's reclaim them and make some balsa baits, you man. Bet. The premium balsa get back. a lifetime supply out of one blade. <laughs> Cut you these, bet. man. <laughs> yeah, but that was, you know, that was one of Ed's big deals is when he would get, you know, a load of balsa, the first sure. thing that he would do is he would weigh every single stick. Yep. Wow. And he would write how much that stick weighed on the end of it, and then he would sort them so that whatever he was building, whether it was a flat bait, you know, that, that needed to weigh less, whether it was a round bait that could stand away a little bit more, he knew exactly how dense each stick of balsa wow. was by how much yep. it weighed. Now he would, I mean, he would grade and sort every single stick and he would get he would get thousands of sticks at a time you know he just he wouldn't get you know just a box of 64 he would get thousands of them at a time and go through and grade them so that he would know exactly what each one of them weighed and that's that's the first step in being so consistent with all of his baits right on man um for, for the people that want to venture out and maybe get a zoom bait i know that your website with your wife 
you guys were selling Zooms for a reasonable price. I mean, you just did a flat price. Were, <laughs> were. I, know, I know, man. So <laughs> that $45. Are there are none left? Like not even nope. sand fleas or anything? It's all gone. There's some, there's still a few sand fleas. There are. I, um, I checked the other day, man. People yeah, can go out now. There's, there's I mean, still a few. You, um, did you, but I mean, you didn't when, carry the when they're gone, they're, they're gone. gone. I know. Yeah, there's not anymore. Uh, and I, I mean, I get on, I mean, I get on eBay and check every once in a while and it's just, oh my God, it's ridiculous. It's yeah, it just, and it just blows my mind. And it, and it would, I mean, it always used to make Ed laugh when, when he'd see, you know, a ridiculous price that somebody paid for one Why? of his baits, you know, he, he just got a kick out of it. He thought, he that, thought was awesome. that was just, a, oh, he thought that was the craziest thing. Cause this is a man that. I mean, this was a man that he couldn't, he wasn't going to spend all the money that he had made. His right. grandkids can't spend all the money that he's made. Oh, sure. So, sure. I mean, money was just, he didn't care about money. Yeah. I mean, he had a, he had a gentleman walk in one time that wanted to buy Zoom and was dead serious on buying Zoom and offered him an astronaut what i thought was an astronomical amount of money to buy it and ed said i don't need the money <laughs> he said if you you know if you buy this what what am i going to do yeah you know i gotta have something to do i gotta have something to, to come into and do every day right and on and said, well you could come in and work for me and ed just Hey, 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 I, I ain't working for anybody else, man. I've been doing this way too long. Yeah, yeah I, I, no I'm, I'm struggling wasn't... right now to 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 identify with where Ed's head was at because. Yeah, well, it was not. <laughs> hey, I, I want those crankbaits. Brian, you're pretty pretty money, damn man. good at building cabinets. Uh, I'm I mean. just saying the whole thing. Oh, I don't need the money. Like, what's that like? I just want to live in that. I just want to experience that. Like that that thought for a second, or yeah. Huh. Can I you speak out a little bit on crankbaits just for like two more questions? I want to just ask Kevin about a zoom bait. It was from a finesse flat side perspective. Was the, was the zoom mutt, you know, this is the zoom mutt in a foil. Yep. Was that your yep. number one? If you had to go, you know, small shad pattern in the fall, would that be your number one pick? Yes. That would okay. Be. Yes. And, and what about in plastic? Somebody just asked on, and I, this is not a winter question, but, um finesse plastic you know are you a normie crappy crappy crank guy back in the day when you needed a bite if you just wanted to crank and catch them and they were at the depth and was that something that was in your arsenal you know probably um cordell used to make a big o oh yeah mm -hmm. i mean everybody knows about the big o well they made a small one and i don't Small uh, I don't have one, but it, it's it like is. two inches long. I mean, it's, right they, they made like a teeny. Yeah, 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 yeah. That looks like it. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. They made that. They made that bait in a color called Harbor O. What? And it was no Super Shad. They made it in Super Shad. Oh man, Super Shad. Come on, oh, Super Shad. It's got like blue Quickery. sides, kind of a little purple silver back. I know Dude, that is like, I mean, if you need, you know, if you're around smaller baits, um, that is, that's still my number one go-to small plastic wow. crankbait. 
Because you catch them. I mean, you can grind. It still catches them, man. You can grind it off. And it actually, it's one of the few small plastic baits that you can actually run over and around and through brush piles and lay down and stumps and stuff like that. And it won't get hung up as bad. Okay. It, it will get hung up, but it won't get hung up as bad. But it is an awesome small profile. It's, it's easy to throw, even though it's a small plastic bait. It's easy to throw. Um, that man, that that is my number one go-to small plastic. Super shad, kind of like that color, guys. So if you're looking it's, for that, yeah, it's, it's, it's similar that. to that. Similar. It's I'm just a, showing them. Do you have one, Eric? I have a super shad at home, but I don't have it with. I was just trying to show a customer. Oh, you just got your you just got your backup crankbait collection, just, Eric. You didn't tell you, me this was going to be show and tell. Dude, you're like the oh, you're like the if you're playing Madden and you like create a quarterback and you make everything ninety nine. You're that in crankbait collectors. You're like the you're like the create a player of of the crankbaits. Uh, Appreciate that, man. Let, let's see if it does me any good in the championship season. Yeah. I have one one more question I have to ask. All right, go ahead. I'm, I'm Brian. I'm sorry. You knew <laughs> no, I was just, before, before you do that, hey, <laughs> okay. Before you do BTC that, just just there where they're shaking his head. Yeah, I, I just want to throw head. out a little a little piece of uh, BTC trivia for everybody out there that cares. <laughs> and I know there's a lot of you. No, I I actually I caught my very first uh, crankbait fish on a big O back back way back. Oh my gosh! Yeah, there it was go. it was a straight up chrome big O, and Oars, I remember sails. Yeah, awesome. I just remember all the flash, and we called it the flashlight lure because we didn't know nothing, you know. The big one or the or the little one he was talking about? No, it was the it was the bigger bigger size. The bigger one, bigger one the big O. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's so crazy. All right, Kevin, maybe you can help us settle the debate Ooh. about is the old one point five. Uh, different than the new 1.5. I'll give you the premise of what I've heard. I can't confirm. I've never cut one in half. The older RC, the OG, had a tungsten ball versus now a lead ball. And that there's something, if you weigh these baits, they do weigh the same, but they don't feel the same to a lot of crankbait nuts that are, you know, 1.5 fanatics. Um, less paint, I don't know but they weigh the same walls thinner, different plastic, you know, the butyrate that they used to use, I believe there's a difference in the sound and there maybe resonance, but what are your thoughts? There uh, just, just tell me. I have not, well, that's, that's not true. I have bought a few of the newer ones. Mm -hmm. um, when tackle warehouse was getting rid of the original ones, Oh my gosh, yeah. Oh my god, I put the hurt on their ass. <laughs> Bass Pro Shops did it too, man. I was pulling racks oh, when they closed dude. them out at Bass Pro. Literally, just it didn't care about the color of 1.5, nope. 2.5, nope. rattle in, deep rattle sound, didn't matter. Just like this, that was like $3.99. Give them to me, all of them. Get them okay? all. I want yeah. them all. They're getting yeah. repainted now, man. Um, I, I have, in fact, just this year, I bought some of the newer ones. Uh, because I wanted some, they've got a, uh, they got a little bluegill color that I, that I saw that Ayler, I think came up with. Um, it, it's a little gill pattern. Uh, mm -hmm. and I actually, I, mean, I actually caught a lot of fish on it, uh, earlier in the year. I, I don't think they're the same either, mm -hmm. but I really, I don't think it's a plastic thing. Mm -hmm. I think it has something to do with the internal weight. And I'm like you, I mean, I've not, I've not cut two of them open, you know, a new one and an old sure. one. Uh, I've not cut them open. 
yeah. to uh, to find out. But I I I feel the same the same way. There's something that's not there. There's a reason that they used to be sixteen dollars, sure. and now they're eight dollars. Sure, and sure. It's not because the family that owns Lucky Craft is feeling generous. That's <laughs> not the reason. Okay? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I mean, I I don't know. It's it's possible, and I've not looked at the packaging to see possible that now they're maybe maybe they're making them in China where they were making them in Japan. That's or right. Painting them in Japan. Mm-hmm. And now they're doing it all in China. But I feel I don't think that the baits have as cr- the the current ones, I don't think the current ones have as crisp as of an action. I agree. The older ones do. I agree. But I can't tell you why. Yeah, then I'm not worried about it because I've got a buttload of the old ones. That's right. I feel the same about the minus one, the old double stand. Oh, yeah. The OG minus yeah, one. No. It is not the same bait. No. I don't care what you say. Not they don't feel the same. They don't count. They don't no. wobble. No. no way. No way, no. man. So um, no. interesting. Thank you. And that's my last question of uh, okay. the 1.5 era. <laughs> Great. I was going to say that ain't your last question. I know <laughs> that, that's the that's the that's the goodness I love getting getting to. But let, let's give away some more stuff, Rich. What do you got, man? I don't. Hey, no people. Go ahead, Rich. Do your voice. <laughs> my my new my uh, my new my new voice on the Bash University message board. Uh, the next question I'm going to go with is from uh, Team No Fish, and uh, Team No Fish wants to know. In the dog days of summer, if you're on a body of water uh, where you have the option to fish docks or lay down structure, uh, like lay down wood structure, what's going to be your better option uh, to get a bite in those dog days of summer, uh, docks or lay downs? If they're, if they're both in the same depth of water, I'm going to go with boat docks because they offer more shade. And depending, uh, well, let me back up. It depends on if they're floating docks or if they're like wooden docks with posts. If they're floating docks, I'm going for laydowns, okay? Because the floating docks, um, I don't, I don't know that the floating docks have as much cover other than the shade as a laydown will. I'm not sure it's going to attract as much in the way of bait fish. Um, now if it's post docks with, uh, posts, you know, that go all the way down to the, to the bottom and everything, I'm going to go with, uh, with the post docks because obviously they've got horizontal, um, cover. They've also got vertical cover being, being the post and you can, there's, there's a, you got a lot more options with that type of dock. Hello. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. You good with that? Oh yeah. Yeah. That's a great answer. Um, so I want to uh, I want to give away a tip and then and then ask a question. From my young days of obsessing over bass fishing, um, you know i I learned a lot of finesse techniques. We haven't really gone that way with this show, um, which I I kind of thought we would. It's like when I jumped into a federation club when I was sixteen. You learned about the Carolina rig and the shaky head and all these ways to catch them um but man i remember getting on something and i fished a lot of ponds coming up just fish where i could fish and i was going to tell the bank guys you know in, in 
June, July, August, September. It's like the hottest days, the toughest days in the middle of the day. I could take a baby one minus and throw it over four to five feet of water and burn the ever living junk out of that crankbait and catch the biggest fish in the pond. I started doing it more in, you know, other lakes. I'll never forget one of my, one of my first tournaments as a junior club tournament. I just wanted to do it. And we got on some shallow flat and I think I caught him on a big O and a baby one minus and, I lost a bunch of big fish because my mechanics were so green, but, uh, but it's, it's something that honestly did not stick with, with me. Um, I, uh, I, I don't have a big, large collection of, of balsa. Um, over the last couple of years, we've started cranking a lot more. Um, you know, me and my team partner, I've, I've done, I'm starting to weigh fish in on crankbaits like I never used to. Um, so tell me, this whole deal about burning a crankbait through the dog days, and I'm talking about not even necessarily always making contact, is that targeting these fish that even suspend almost in shallower water, you know, six, seven, eight feet or less? Is that a thing, Kevin? Like, have, have I just been missing out? Pretty much, yeah. You just... <laughs> I mean, just wandering around out there clueless, I guess, man. I don't, I don't know. I mean, what do you, I mean, what do you think? Uh, I mean, you, you're talking about basically a, you know, a buzz bait under, under the water. I mean, that's all yeah. that you're doing with that one minus. Mm -hmm. Is it, uh, you know, the, the same, same type thing. Um, yeah. I, I think in a, I feel like, it, and it, and it varies depending on where you're at. But I would be willing to bet that in in the majority of lakes across the south, now obviously this isn't going to apply to the northern lakes that freeze up, but in yeah. the majority of lakes across the south that don't freeze up, there's a there's a lot of shallow fish that are shallow twelve months out of the year. Oh yeah, people just don't think about they just they don't fish for them. They don't, you know, if, if it's a lake that the water is real clear, they think, oh, well, the water's real clear. They're going to be real deep. Uh, I mean, I moved to, a, you know, to a, a lake that's got real clear water in it 11 months out of the year. And I am absolutely floored by how many fish that we catch in, even like in the dead of winter, you know, water temperatures in the 40s, bright blue sun, no wind, and we catch them in less than five feet of water. Yeah. And I promise you, you can see the bottom. There is Our, no problem. You can see, you can see the yeah. bottom a long way in front of the boat. <laughs> Our upper bay fish are in three foot in the winter. Oh, yeah. For sure. Justin? It's just and, and, and there's, there's a lot of them that stay up there a lot more than just in the wintertime too. Crazy. And, and, and I've seen that in other lakes too. I mean, that's not, I, I don't think that's specific to this lake. You know, I, I feel like there's a lot of fish super shallow um, all year round, regardless of what the water temperature is, regardless of what the water clarity is. Um, you know, the fish that, um, the fish that we caught, you know, this past weekend on the river were in less than two foot of water. Awesome. You know, we couldn't see them, mm. you know, 
there wasn't any way that we could see them, but I mean, they weren't deep. I mean, I'm sure there's guys that caught them deep, but you know, they didn't win. We did. And we <laughs> caught them in two feet of water. You know? That's awesome. Do you, uh, you have current and, and flow? No, no, God, no. Absolutely nothing. no current. That's so crazy. No, no trickle. No, absolutely dead. Unbelievable. No, nothing. That's and, awesome. I mean, you know, if, if you think about it, I mean, think about this. I mean, I, I don't know how uh, how much experience you guys have uh, flipping like matted uh, matted vegetation. Yeah, mm-hmm. Potomac mean, River times, and Upper Bay. Exactly. There you go. Same same thing. There's a there's a lot of times even if even if that mat is in six or seven foot of water, mm-hmm. there's a lot of times when those fish are not on the bottom. Oh, they're yeah. literally right under yeah. that mat. Oh, I yeah. mean, right under it. Eating that crawl daddy. Whatever, because you know, you punch your little weight down through there, and yeah, you let it go to the bottom, but when you pull it back up and bounce it underneath that mat, all of a sudden, you know, he pulls you back down. Or the better ones are when the whole mat goes, whoop. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I need to jerk. My cork just went under. Guys, exactly what Kevin is talking about right now is a recent release on Bashu TV when we just had uh, Caleb Summerall um, out there and the seminar was punching hydrilla and exactly oh, what Kevin just spoke about. Uh, we actually, we actually, we actually had bites um, with, with Caleb where some on the bottom, some back up towards the top of the mat. So it just, just yep. nails it home. You know, it's, that's it's, awesome, man. Bashu, man. Come on, sign up. <laughs> no reason. That's great. Uh, Forget about I, it. I got- I, I can ask one follow-up S- question. Sign up too. tonight, and Kevin Short will <laughs> sign a crankbait and send it to you. And it's a WEC <laughs> Zoom. E1. Yeah, right. Maybe. Um, let, let, me get in, let me get in that line. Maybe. So, no. uh, Kevin, <laughs> I, uh, I got to ask you. Maybe not. You know, we talked a lot about that crankbait in the dog days being a tool, but cover, contact with the cover being the biggest thing. And I know yeah. that is the deal. Is there a scenario where you're just winding out in the open, kind of like what I was talking about, where it doesn't it doesn't matter? Like the fish are relating to either bait or suspended because they're in a bad mood, or or do, do those fish just not eat? You know, for, for as far as a crankbait goes. No, I, I mean I have caught I mean I have caught fish that were relating more to. Um, you know, pods of shad. Uh, you know, I have I have caught them that were not necessarily up against something, or you know, under you know under a dock, up against a you know up against a laydown, uh, up against a log. Uh, most of the time, though, when I have caught them on the crankbait, it's been more of a a wake bait or a really shallow diving crankbait mm-hmm. because. You know, those fish a lot of times are looking up, mm. you know, because they're, they're, I mean, if you, if you've ever seen fish that are chasing bait, they always come at them, not always, but the majority of the time they come at them from underneath. Right. But they're, and they're always under the shad coming up because they're always looking up because guess what? The eyes are in the top of their head. Okay. There's not any bass out there that have eyes in the bottom of their head. Yeah. They're always in that they're always 
looking up. Okay. So in that situation, Eric's baby one minus, um, we had, a man, Norman had this little, uh, it was actually a knockoff of a rebel, um, holy humpy? cow. I can't humpy? Remember. The rebel humpy? humpy? That, yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, Norman had one of those that we used a lot. That was an awesome shallow, and it was a little beat. I mean, it super wasn't scooper? even. It, no, was it a super? No, scooper? not super no. scooper. Um, um, I'm gonna think of it. Man. I know the bait. I know the bait. Anyway, keep going. It's anyway, like a rebel humpy. Yes, I mean, real, it wouldn't. I mean, you couldn't make the thing run over a foot deep, mm -hmm. but you could wind, you could blaze it back super fast. And I mean, it was just. I mean, it was like a fleeing shad is all it was. You know, the, you know, the, the baby one minus, you know, you can fish it slow. It's got that big wide wobble and the, the rattles and everything. This thing did nothing but just get it, trying to I get know. away from something. Mm -hmm. It had a really tight wiggle. Um, and it, I mean, you could catch the snot out of fish that were chasing, particularly if they were chasing smaller shad, smaller bluegill or whatever. I mean, they would come for this thing and just choke it. Uh, but there again, I mean, it's a, you're not hitting anything with it, but it's a, it's completely a, a, a sight, and it, and it typically worked the best in clear water where they could see the bait. You know, it was a visual thing, and I will say that's probably the majority of times that I've caught fish on a crankbait of any kind um, that is not involved, you know, bouncing the bait off of something. The majority of times that I've caught those fish, it has been in a clear water scenario where the it was more visually oriented for the fish as opposed to, you know, sound or a, a deflection thing when the bait was bouncing, crashing off of stuff. Are you um are you manipulating your retrieve when you're doing that at all, Kevin? Specifically talking about uh you know the clear water, more open water situation where you're getting bites. Like, are you are you you know like jerking your rod down back and forth side up down to you know to make that crankbait get crazy in the water column to trigger those strikes or is it just a straight burn burn type of retrieve i don't ever throw i don't ever throw hardly anything out there that i'm not doing something with either either pulling the rod a little bit mm -hmm. giving it some slack um stopping the reel winding it faster um that I had the hardest time learning to fish a swim bait right. because, <laughs> I mean, and I'll never forget. Yeah, because you can't do um, nothing with it. It's like a psycho. You can't do shit with it. The first time that I ever fished a swim bait, I was in one of the uh, Texas Toyota Bass Classics when it was a team thing. Yeah. And Jeff Crete and I were paired up. The and Crete was catching the squirrel was catching them on a Optima line through uh -huh. uh, big swim bait. Yeah. And I had never thrown a swim bait. I couldn't even spell swim bait. Okay. <laughs> I had no clue. So Crete fixed me up, gave me a couple of swim baits, you know, got in the boat with him. And first thing I do is I throw it out there. And I'm winding it, stopping it. I'm pulling the rod, you know, and winding it. And Creek's like, stop. Just stop. <laughs> I'm like, what? He's like, throw the thing out there, count to five, 
and just wind the damn thing back. Don't <laughs> wiggle like it. A Senko, Don't pull it. <laughs> Don't just wind it straight back to you. And I had the hardest. I mean, I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, this thing's broken. Until I, I got that first bike. Ooh. When I got that first bike, it was like, oh, my God, I got it now. Yeah. <laughs> I got it now. That's, but, yeah, that's... that was that was the hardest thing for me to learn how to do because I had thrown a crankbait, a spinnerbait, you know, but something, some kind of moving reaction bait so long and for so much, and I had always done something with it, whether it's, you know, stopping reeling and pulling the bait along you know, with my rod tip or winding it a little bit faster, stopping it right before it hit the log, kind of bouncing it over, always doing something with the rod and the reel to vary that retreat. Kevin, can you talk so, a little bit about that question, pulling? Yes. You, 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 you've said now a few times, and yes. it's, it's springing my ears up, you're pulling the bait rather than winding the bait. Now, <laughs> I mean, people might think, like, if you're pulling the bait, you're still moving it forward. If you're winding the bait, you're still moving it forward. But clearly, there's something different about it if you're making it a point to do one over the other. What's the deal with that? If you, I mean, the next time you go out, if you tie on a crankbait that's deep enough that you know it's going to hit the bottom, if you throw it out there, wind it down until it hits the bottom, if you will stop winding and pull that bait along the bottom with your rod, and pay attention to how much you can feel just by pulling it with the rod and then take off winding it again and pay attention to how much feel you have while you're trying to wind. I can promise you, you can feel more when you're pulling it and not winding than when you're just straight winding. Okay. It's a sensitivity thing. And what I've always done is when, when I could feel the bait coming up to a, a log, a lay down, the post on the dock or a big rock or whatever, when I could feel that that bait was coming up to it, I would stop reeling and actually pull the bait over it with the rod tip. And what that does is it actually allows you, you, you get a, you, you get a better feel for what the bait's doing. And I think it number one you don't get hung up as easy. Number two, you're able to detect a really subtle bite. Okay. When, you know, you're pulling that bait along versus when you're winding. Yeah. We had a time where we were pulling the baits. I call it worm in a crankbait. Yep. We were yep. in a place on the Potomac river. It was post-spawn. We were throwing a, a, a Norman baby end, uh, yep. deep little end. And um, yep. we were worming it through lay downs off the bank. And, yep. Literally, uh, it was when you were pulling it, you could feel the bait vibrating. The fish were coming up behind it and pushing it forward. Mm -hmm. So you, the bait stopped vibrating and yeah. you only had to lean into the fish. The guys yeah. winding were constantly hung up because that is a snaggy bait. Exactly. Uh, they touched so. the hell out of him in the post. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, man. Still, still a viable bait. But yeah. that was a great yeah. lesson in worming a crankbait. Because you're worming, yeah. you're pulling. You're not reeling your worm in. You're that's, pulling your worm to feed. That's a very, that's a very good way to put it. Yeah, yep. very good way to put it. Yeah. So, guys, all you guys watching, watching at home, that on Bashu TV, we did film an on water. Now we've got, yes. we've got a square crankbait in the classroom seminar with, with Kevin Short. But the, 
the fishing the square bill crankbaits on the water we filmed with there. So you might you might get a little tip on on a lot of this stuff where where Kevin's you know showing how he works a crankbait. I'm pretty sure, judging by the uh, judging by the uh, picture, I'm pretty sure it was close to summer. I'm, in fact, I'm almost positive we filmed that in like July. Oh, it was summer. Yeah, it I think was, yeah, it was after uh, it was one after of the Ike Foundation tournament. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, it was so, August, I think. Pretty incredible video. Seen it myself, I must say, yeah. um, worth the price of admission for a full year. I'll yeah, say so, no more. So I, I, I didn't, I should have anticipated this, you know, <laughs> that this would have turned into <laughs> a Frank Bacon show with our guest <laughs> and our. Yes, Kevin Short. <laughs> but wait, but wait, man. Wait, wait. I had a Ned rig I know, hooked up. I had a wacky rig hooked up. I had a freaking Nico. I had a shaky head. I, I had a Texas rig. I had a, a weighted wacky. I had a split shot rig. And I didn't get to talk about him. I'm kind of pissed. Well, anyway. yeah. <laughs> I know we're pushing not. already. I cannot believe it. We, we've just been going forever. But Kevin, cranking obviously is going to be number one. So we're going to throw it out real quick. Give me, give me four other things to round out your top five techniques. The dog day. Good question. Okay, number two, if if it's available, it, it's it's going to have to be punching. I mean, if you've got any, if you've got any kind of matted vegetation, mm. um, just like we were talking about earlier, man, that's that's a perfect. Um, you know, perfect shade, bluegill, crayfish, everybody's going to be underneath that. How mat. much water has to be under the mat? Enough for to float a damn fish. That's it. <laughs> Not much. So, dude, that's, I, I have been right. amazed at how shallow I have caught fish underneath mats. I mean, stuff mm -hmm. that I could barely get the boat up to. Like foot, less than a foot type stuff? Less than a foot, yes. Still Obviously, still getting through with the big weight, one ounce. They still, dude, they still get it. Yeah, it's it's nuts. Um, the, the prime stuff, I mean, for us, the prime stuff is going to be stuff that's underneath that has a creek channel underneath it mm -hmm. where it's got deeper water right especially if it's in a bend man that's where everybody's going to bunch up obviously that's the prime stuff but yeah the back of the pocket back of the creek i mean you, you've got to fish it all to figure out where they're at that's i mean I, i'm going to look for that flipping i mean flipping just you know just flipping the wood uh flipping laydowns flipping boat docks that's going to be I mean, that's going to be right up there. I mean, think about all those classics that guys like Denny Brower, Dion Hibden won in uh, late July, early August, flipping a tube, flipping a jig, whatever, mm. around shallow cover. I mean, hello. That ain't real hard to figure out, you know? Mm. Visible. Um, I, dude, I don't have any problem throwing a rubber worm, you know? Throwing a, you know, a seven, ten and a half inch old monster, Something mm. like that, or you know, around mm. brush piles. Bigger uh, bite. That's that's a you know that's still a viable, uh, you know, that's still a viable technique in the, in a lot of places. Um, last thing on the list is going to be a cinco, of course. You know, yeah. but, uh, now we don't do we don't even fish cinco down here. Um, <laughs> I'm not. 
you know, in certain certain scenarios, certain places, I'm not I'm not opposed to throwing a buzz bait if the fish are a little bit more active. If there's a lot of bait in an area, Heck um, yeah. as long as the fish will react to it, and really what it comes down to is what you know what the fish are going to react to and what you get bit on. I mean, I don't really care what I catch them on, how I catch them, uh, particularly in a tournament situation. You know, I'm going to use whatever I've got in the boat that I think they're going to bite to try and win. Right, that's and, right on. Um, and last, kind of what we're out there for, you know. Right, and if you have to, you throw psycho, you know. Because let's be honest. And if I have to, I throw. Right, a chicks dig the dig, dig the long ball, and psycho's like you know a team that's just bunts, you know, it's just a bunt, bunt, <laughs> a bunt, bunt. Yeah, you know I mean, you got a slow yeah, pitcher, third baseman's a, asleep a good, with a bad ankle, and they just bunt all night long. That's a good long. way to. That's oh, a good way to put it. Shots, man. Pete is all not right. even here to defend himself. I'm just that saying, hurts. you know. That's just Pete. chicks don't think the psycho. Kevin, I'm glad you included the top water there in the last, because I, I mean, I think about, I love fishing this time of year. I love it when the weights go down. Um, and I love to try and find top water bites when I can get them, you know? Yeah. So tell me why your or the scenarios where I'm going to go wrong with sticking the top water in my hand for five bites. Um, why, why you're going to kick my tail on, on the dog days with a crankbait when I'm, when I'm sticking with my top water. Tell me why. Depending on what kind of top water it is over the course of the day, I'm going to be able to put a crankbait in front of more fish than you are with top water. That's, I mean, that's, that's the only exception to that would be a, um, would be a buzzbait or something like a whopper plopper. Okay, because mm-hmm. you can cover a lot of water with those. But if you're talking, right. to, if yeah. you're talking like a pop bar, you know, a popper bait or a walking mm-hmm. bait, you st- simply cannot cover enough water. Now, if you know exactly, you know, if the fish are positioned, you know, sure. it, it, you know, it like on a point or, you know, if it's a river system and there's rock jetties and they're sitting right out on the ends of the jetties then yeah, a situation like that where you can sit and throw at the same place over a school of fish, you know, that might be a scenario where you might come out on top. But I would be willing to bet that, you know, for every one fish that you catch on top, I can take a crankbait and run around the end of that jetty and catch three or four more on a crankbait. May not may not be as big. That's the one thing about a topwater bait. A lot of times, is it it can and will catch bigger fish. In, you know, in, in a lot of cases. Um, but this lesson I hear there for the dog days that we're talking about is yeah, covering water and Co- have to cover as, water, man. As many have fish as you can get around, have to cover water. There, there's no yeah. There, there's no, and it, you know, it's not like you know in the in the spring when they're all up on the bank either you know going to make babies making babies or coming from making babies and they're all spread up and down the bank it ain't like that in july and august right a lot of times they'll be bunched up in little bitty areas and if you don't figure out or find that little bitty area then you don't catch squat you know, mm-hmm. it's just, you know, it's one here, one there. Um, so it's a little bit different than when they're, you know, scattered all up and down the bank. And literally all you do is go down the bank 
uh, picking them one off here, one there, one there, one there, one on this side of the pocket, you know, one on that side of the pocket. And that, um, when I first started tournament fishing, that was really, that was something that when the, in the, in the springtime, when the fish were scattered like that, just literally you had to cover water. I had a really hard, I had a really hard time doing that uh, because I wouldn't cover enough water. Interesting. And I wanted, you know, I, I wanted to really, you know, slow down and pick something apart mm-hmm. and try and find, you know, those little groups of fish or little areas that were holding fish. When I mean, they'd be down a five mile section of bank mm-hmm. scattered down through there, and you literally had to, you know, put the trolling motor on high and go. Um, so I, I mean, that was something, you know, that was something that that I had to learn, and it's, you know, I, I still. I'm going to look for an area and if I'm able to stay in that area and pick it apart, that's one of the, you know, that's one of the, the things that I have done extremely well uh, over the years. And it's, you know, the reason I've got some hardware sitting over there is because, you know, I've been able to find an area or a couple of areas and really exploit those areas. Uh, now, while I'm in those areas, I'm, making a hell of a lot of casts and covering a lot of water mm-hmm. you know i'm just not doing it on a long distance i'm confining it to a small area so uh, you're talking say, a, a, like a creek or like a stretch within a creek and you just yeah. stay there and like are you making laps or are you covering as much new water in that area as you can during a day depends on the depends on the situation uh depends on the depends a lot on how the bait is positioned in that creek. Um, the man, when I won, um, when I won my first elite series on the um, on the Mississippi River, I probably stayed. I probably covered less than half a mile in wow. four days. And the majority of that was spent in one stretch of a slough that was maybe a hundred yards long. I don't even know if it was a hundred yards, maybe 75 yards. But I literally went back and forth and back and forth for four freaking days. Unbelievable. Uh, the, The first two days I had, of all people, Jeff Creed in there with me on one side. Um, and I would, and and, I mean, I had a couple of other little places that I'd pick up one fish, you know, maybe one fish out of this little place. And, you know, the next day I caught one fish out of this little place, but the majority of those 20 fish that I weighed in that week came out of one 75 yard stretch Mm -hmm. of a four foot deep sloop. Mm. Um, and it was, it was the only place that I'd gotten a bite in practice. Wow. Brutal. I mean, that's, that's how tough it was. I mean, yeah, it was brutal. That's crazy. I I mean, that just the way that it was positioned, there was bait in there. Um, the fish had just finished spawning. It was a perfect place for them to come in and spawn, you know, kind of get out of the current, uh, out of the, you know, off the main river. It just, 
um, it had everything that Tony Bass could want. Uh, and, and, you know, Creek caught, you know, he caught three or four out of there each of the first oh. two days. So there was more than 20 in there. Yeah. And there was I, other guys that would come in and catch one and then, you know, whatever, go out. But it was, but I can promise you after four days, I don't know that there was any left in there. I know. And I, remember, <laughs> I just don't think there was. I can remember one of your biggest changes and correct me if I'm wrong, if I'm thinking of a different term, but I feel like one of your biggest changes in that event was not a bait. It wasn't anything but changing from fluorocarbon to mono. Yes. Mid tournament. Yes, Why? Because the water was dropping. Um, it, the, the water mm. level was dropping. They, they were, they were slowing the flow, <clears throat> excuse me, slowing the flow down in the river uh-huh. and the water in those backwater areas was dropping a little bit every day and the third day i um i was throwing fluorocarbon and i kept i kept hitting the bottom of the uh of the little slough with my crankbait and picking up leaves and i was actually having to hold my rod almost straight up to keep the bait from digging <laughs> in the bottom and when i got this is back yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Got, what, what, uh, what was that crankbait? You had to hold the rod high to get through the bottom, the three foot. Talk to us, dude. What is it with you and crankbait? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> um, the third, when I got back, when I got back to the camper, <laughs> I tied on. I got, I got one reel, and I tied. I got some. Uh, I think I got some seventeen pound mono, and I got another reel, and I put twenty pound mono on because. Because yep. I wanted to keep, oh yeah, I'm catching like two pounders, you know. But uh, I wanted it. to use, I wanted that heavy of a line to keep the bait up. I mean, that was yep. my whole goal was to keep it up in the water column, so it wouldn't <clears throat> hit the bottom and pick up those decaying leaves and ruin the cast. Um, and it made all the difference in the world that last day because I never, you know, I did not have to worry about the bait digging in the bottom and picking up any of those, uh, any of those leaves. That, I mean, does. it's just one little bitty, you know, thing like that can make just a huge, huge there's so, and that's, you know, that's one of the things I get, I get asked all these questions all the time and people want like a specific answer and there's so many variables out there so that true. I, there's no there's no one absolute answer to any question that you give about fishing yeah. because it's just it's you know, and it all goes back to you have to be a learner you can't be a knower you have to be a learner so you have to subscribe to Bass U. That's just it, everybody. Never okay, like learning, go baby. right now. There you go. Bravo, man. Not hard. You got to be a learner. Bravo, that's, man. That's Bravo. A yeah. It's Bravo. A lot, there's a lot of knowers out there. That's good stuff, man. ATC, we got anything else for Kevin, or we want to let him go? Oh no, we got all. I, dude, YouTube's been dying over here. I've been trying to get questions it, in for hours. Yeah, um, sorry, guys. No, that's Kevin, right. D- DM me. I'm sending you this. You're officially my Dr. Crankenstein of the night. <laughs> DM me your address. I'm sending it, man, with some other other little funny stuff, man. But you're, awesome. you're, you're, you're my Dr. Crankenstein, bro. What can I say? <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so we, this question came through a lot for the last couple of hours. 
what shampoo are you using, Kev? <laughs> People have been fascinated by your hair. The one in the gray bottle. I don't know what it is. It's the something flow. for men. I don't know. Just for men? <laughs> I don't know. Oh. You want me to go get it? Uh, what the hell? No, nah, you didn't even bring no crankbaits to the show. Man. He ain't going for shampoo. <laughs> just there's, no one, there's no one answer to hair like that, bro. I I don't know what it is. It's in a gray bottle. That's all I know. Uh, a lot of people think you look like uh, uh, KVD with long hair. Do you get that? Uh, get that a lot? I've been called a lot of things, but that's not one of them. No. No. All right. <laughs> no. Nope. Time tonight. Pop belly goblins. Not one of them. Anybody got an opinion on pop belly goblins? No, I don't, I don't know that. I'm going to look that up because I don't know what that's about either. I don't know. I don't have any idea. Questions? These are YouTube questions? Oh, yeah, they, they were having their own conversation. They got tired of asking, uh, asking questions that weren't getting answered. Uh, okay. um, somebody wondered if Jesus' homies could even catch them good because he always had to multiply the fish, which I thought I thought that was a fantastic point. Apparently, he didn't hang with fishermen. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Hold on. I, I thought he was a fisherman. Well, th his homies weren't. He had to multiply the catch. Oh, yeah. All right. Oh, yeah. Give me a second. I got to go back and find a fishing question. <laughs> Rich, stall for me. Somebody asked what his top three colors for WEC were. If that's a valid <laughs> question, I, I could just ask that. You know, uh, composite, graphite, or glass for, for cranking. Mm, um, that was out there, too. If you, if you want to feel either show of he just asked one question. You got to rub it I'm in. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was trying to help out. I see you. You're wearing your glasses. You can see. I can't. <laughs> one question would have been fine to make me look stupid here. <laughs> you are fired. Go ahead, Kevin. <laughs> Glass and crankbaits. All right. Uh, I've always been I've been either a composite or a pure fiberglass. Um, I really like uh, probably composite is um, is the best uh, views. Uh, for years, I used uh, Saint Croix. Um, they used to build some uh, e glass rods. I think they've switched to S glass, which is just a different type of material that they use. They're they're great rods. Um, the last couple of years, I've actually been using uh, Shimano X Prides. Mm. They are a um, they're a composite graph graphite and uh, fiberglass and I really like those uh, they're actually a little bit lighter than a true fiberglass rod that's I mean that's one of the downfalls of, a, of an all fiberglass rod is it tend they tend to be just a little bit heavier um, I, but I really I've, I've really liked uh, those X Pride um, composite rods I mean I've had uh, really good luck with both the, the medium and the medium heavy. Um, I probably throw the medium heavy more than I do the medium. Uh, the, the medium I'll throw smaller baits on, like the little mutt, uh, like the little small um, big O, that, that size bait. The 7-2 uh, the medium heavy in that X-Pride uh, composite. I mean, I can throw a, you know, a bigger crankbait. I'll throw a spinnerbait on it. I'll throw... Uh, a jackhammer on it. Yeah. And I use it for a lot of different applications. And I really, I really like doing that, having one, you know, having two or three different rods um, that I can throw a lot of different baits on, as opposed to having one rod 
for each type bait. You know, I've never been a big fan of that. Uh, I'd rather have one rod that I can throw six or seven different types of baits on. Because um, then, I, you know, all I've got to vary then is the line size, whether I want to throw 12 pound on it, 16 pound on it, or, you know, something in between. Sure. Um, that, that's, you know, and, and I, like I say, I flip back and forth. Uh, I don't know that one's better than the other. Um, I, I know a lot of guys that are really good throwing crankbaits that throw an all graphite rod. Uh, and if it's, you know, if it's got a soft enough action, I, you know, I'm sure that works, uh, works just fine for them. I've tried that and I've just, I've never, I, I've always felt like I had too much sensitivity mm. with an all graphite. And to me, sensitivity in that style bait is not necessarily a good thing because you want, you know, you want a little bit of delay there so that the fish actually gets hold of the bait before you before you react and pull the bait away from him. Um, so that, I, that, that, I think that fiberglass or a fiberglass composite kind of takes some of that sensitivity away and kind of gives you a little bit of a delayed reaction before your natural in, instinct tells you to pull. Um, colors, man. Tennessee Shad is, I mean, you can't hardly beat Tennessee Shad. Um, classic, which is a uh, kind of a bone white with a, a little bit of green, a little bit of brown on it. looks like kind of like a little, uh, like a little perch. Um, and then uh, chartreuse classic, which is, uh, a, a, you know, a chartreuse yellow with a kind of a brown and green back. Um, at, well, or chartreuse black. I mean, you can't go wrong with, you know, chartreuse. Oh, yeah. Um, but, uh, I, you know, Clun, again, back to the master, you know, Clun said years ago that, you know, bass pretty much eat three things. They eat shad, they eat bluegill, and they eat crayfish. Yep. So if you've got a bait that mimics a shad, mimics a bluegill or mimics a crayfish either in action size or color you've got it covered and if you've got if you've got a color that mixes the two of them together then well i can't tell you what he called it but um yes, you can. he said he said then you could trick then you could really trick them <laughs> he had a, he had a different word for it but it's yeah. called the chacraw it's chacraw chacraw that's not what no. Chakra Rama. Chakronery. Okay. Sure. <laughs> there you go. No, thank you. That's that's that that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I got a an observation from Hellabass on the YouTube. It says uh, you had a you had a trap on your deck this weekend when you won that tournament. Damn right. How about it? Mm -hmm. Did it play? Damn right. No. Yeah, it did. Yeah. Choked it. Yeah. Caught a limit on it. You bet. This on the beginning of the show. Oh, where sorry. the hell were you, BTC? Uh, producing, checking sound qualities, uh, <laughs> emailing uh, people that got something they didn't think they were supposed Telling to. Telling you, man, that's, that, is the most, uh, that is the most underrated summertime bait. That's so underrated. awesome. The most. That, that was awesome. Eye-opening. So underrated. So, I'm going to tie one on for this weekend. I was not planning on it, but I'm going to do it now. I've even Bravo. wrote on my mini notes. Lipless. Love lipless. it. 
There you go. All right. Great what stuff. else you got? Great stuff. Any more pot belly pigs or any of that stuff? <laughs> I don't think so, man. Okay. All right. Man, great stuff. Great awesome stuff. Uh, Kevin, man, thanks so much for coming and hanging out with us, talking dog days, fishing, crankbaits. Oh, my gosh. What a crankbait show we got out of today. Um, yeah. You know, just you are the wizard. You do wizard stuff like switch no. fluorocarbon to monofilm it to win 100k and just hearing mm. some stories just taking us back to columbus mississippi talking to us about how that one went down uh, 18 years ago it's just awesome stuff man thank you thank you so much guys um i appreciate i appreciate the invite appreciate the, all you guys i'm sorry we didn't get up get to get off into the you know finesse stuff and all that crap but yeah, i showed you, it I, showed, just, I, I i burnt seven yeah, seconds for this yeah. dang show i did it sometimes you just got to do he-man work you know yeah. i love it that's the way you do it and that's the way you have got a lot of hardware obviously. right on man exactly right amen amen awesome look at there it. you go yeah little... oh There's man some. look at that <laughs> love that's it. brilliant man love one it. of my favorite moments was when you were at pickwick i think throwing that yep. wce one in the back of that cypress field and I think you got hung up and, and you were banjoing yep. it off there and you caught a giant and you just were so calm, cool and collected. And you looked at the cameraman and said, what time is it, man? And and it was just, you didn't lose your cool. It was just, that's when you are living right. You're in the area of the, the land of the bigs. And, uh, that's just good stuff right well, there. That was one me, of my let me, favorite. Let me show you something. Let me show you something right here, Eric. All right. It was eight fifty four, and the game was over. Oh, that's awesome. This is actually the uh, Brian was my cameraman that day. No and way. Yes, I turned around to him. I said, "Dude, what time is it?" He said, "It's like eight fifty, man." I'm like, "This is." Game over right here. And he wrote that when he when he changed tapes the next time a few minutes later, man, he wrote that on the tape. Game and after they over. got done editing the show, he gave and I don't know. I mean, there may be like porn on this tape in here. I don't know. I don't have any way of looking at it. But I thought it was pretty cool that he made it a point to give me the case that he had man, written on that that's day. Man, that's and cool, was, man. Yeah, I awesome. think that's cool. That was cooler than the trophy. You know, this I, is, I mean, this, this in itself is a trophy. You know, you're damn right. dang cool. I love it. I that's love a, it. Game over. Man, that's man. a good backstory right there. Mm. Game over. Every, thanks, Kevin. Thank you so much. All right. Man. Thank you, guys, man. Anytime. Anytime. You're the man, Kevin. Appreciate it, Kevin. Kevin Short, folks at home. Yes. Wow. I told you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> man, bring in the talent. Oh, man. He, Thank you, man. He co-hosted the right. show. See Kevin. I, I didn't know he was still with us. Um, I think it was three years ago he co-hosted a show with us. Man, we got to make Kevin like a yearly annual visitor. For man, I, think I, I think I called in on that show. Yeah, you probably did. Eight, I think I did. After the Ike Foundation thing, we filmed with him. He competed in the tournament, and he stayed at the studio and co-hosted. And, uh, man, I re if I remember correctly, we were talking – I think we were just specifically talking square bills on that show. Um, but, man, uh, just an awesome, awesome guy. Sat here for two hours, broke it down with us. 
I, I can't I can't believe that the time went by like that, but just Me great too, man. Nuts. BTC? I'm sorry. Producer, yeah, I'm getting distracted by some shit on YouTube. Let me put Uh, put that away. Easy to do. What? uh, What do we? What do we want to do, man? How do we want to take it home? Well, we got a we got a grand prize. Yeah, uh, we got a giveaway uh, as well as a Facebook like and share. Yeah. What about? Did you guys get your gills packages? Oh yeah, we did. I've been. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. I'm wearing mines. I'm, I've been drinking out of mines right here. <laughs> <laughs> got it right here. Got nice. it right here. Let's see if you got any uh, uh, goodies in the uh, goodie bag. Well, we have a second. Yeah, I'll go ahead and bust into this thing. Uh, if you guys watched last week, uh, did a little bit of Gills Gear unbagging. I'm going to try and do it here, standing at the studio without knocking into anything and ending the stream. So, um so this- for their new fall line. Yep, new, um, new fall line from Gills Gear. First thing pulling out of this bag is a, a sweet Gills Gear Thermocup. Uh, it's got the Gills logo on it, Bash U logo on the other side. Keep that keep that morning coffee nice and hot on the way to the boat ramp. Yeah, um, hot coffee. That's right. Next thing breaking out of here is going to be the Gills Gear uh, hoodie. It's a hooded sweatshirt. Um, I tried this thing on, uh, when I first got into the studio, cause I broke into the bag like a little kid and as advertised, as Tiger said, uh, they did adjust the fit. Um, it's definitely a more, uh, form fitting model this year. Uh, it, it, you know, it, it fits to you to where you're going to be able to move and be efficient. And, uh, just like you stated on an earlier show, it's got that secret little pocket right there, right on the chest, uh, I think he might have called that the Copenhagen pouch. Maybe. Uh, yeah, he, he's put Copenhagen pouch in like almost everything. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's that's a good deal. Um, also, we got the uh, the packable rain jacket. Yeah. Um, in the mic. Got mine in a in a nice uh, in a nice gray. Match the clouds behind me when I'm fishing. Uh, it all packs down into one pocket. Super lightweight. Awesome. Uh, Stored in the boat anywhere won't get in the way um and uh we got our traditional sun shirt uh from gills gear they adjusted the uh the fit on these things too a little bit um definitely fits uh fits really well it's lightweight uh but it's uv protected so uh it's going to keep those sun rays off for you but it's also going to help keep you cool on those hot days out there on the water and last but not least we have the tournament series UV shirt, which is uh, same deal, guys. It's uh, ultra lightweight, but this one has breathable. Uh, it has breathable sleeves on it as well. Oh, yeah, I got uh, that. Yeah, that's what Brian's actually wearing now. So it it sets up to where you know it's form fitting, keeps the sun off you, and it helps you breathe uh, through your armpits, so you're not all stinking when you get off the water. Guys, if you haven't checked out Gills Gear, uh, really check them out. It's quality, quality stuff, and uh, we're happy to have them on board with the Bash University. Yeah, yeah. Swag, man. Swag. There's, there's no gimmicks like that, man. When you're out there on a hot day, and you got that breeze coming through, man, you just do this number right here with that breathable stuff. Yeah, yeah. Especially if the, if the breeze is behind you and, and your and whoever your fish is on the other side, where you get like this and yeah, right in their direction. 
Yeah. Put a little, put a little mayhem on them. A lot of good comments on, on uh, the message board and, and uh, on YouTube about uh, Kevin Short tonight. So yeah, good, man. Was, that was a great conversation. And, and it was awesome. E, thanks for thanks for enriching our lives tonight. Mm-hmm. Oh man, I appreciate and and, yeah. and honored to be here, man. Um, thank you again for having me on. Um, he's one of my favorites, and uh, just getting to rap with him, Justin Kimmel, you and, and you and Riz uh, BTC was uh, spectacular. Interact with the board, man. The board was awesome tonight. Yeah, let's give away a grand prize. What do you say? Yeah, and Do for it. anybody anybody listening that is not aware of Epic Eric, where can they find you, bro? Sure, man. Um, so at Epic Eric Official, uh, that's kind of like my my all all, all in page. Uh, but then I've got uh, Epic Eric's Bass Lab, and you know I, I uh, got some cranks listed. I'm about to bring out some hot minus ones and uh, some uh, pretty cool swag stickers. Uh, and I showed one tonight, Doctor Crankenstein, man, River Rad, right and on. a few others. And, yeah, and man. And you have an OnlyFans as well, right? <laughs> yeah, give it to the people. <laughs> Thanks for that. Brian, Brian, I appreciate you. Let me say that. You going off the deep end with the the folks over at YouTube. Uh, yeah. So, so guys, uh, tonight for the grand prize, uh, we got a question uh, for the folks on the Bash UTV message board, um, and that question is. Kevin Short specifically said one reason that we really loved on why a bass eats a crankbait, and it's because it doesn't have something. Why does a bass eat a crankbait when it won't eat anything else? Yes. Why? <laughs> why? Those are going to get that one quick. You think? Yeah. I bet they got the right answer right now. Oh. First one came in wrong, so. Oh, oh. there it is. What? There it is. Oh, so, so many are coming through. Uh, they got it? Coach. Coach Prince. He got wow. it. He came through. Coach Prince is strong. With hands, and that is a bass eats a crankbait because it doesn't have hands. Kevin J. Woods. Got no it. other <laughs> way. was the first guy to get it. Love it. Yeah. I, I, love- I actually heard, um, and this goes back a million years man like like we were probably like 18 this is like 90s early 90s um i remember going to a to a seminar with ike and uh, uh paul elias was speaking and I, re- I just remember this one line from him. i don't know we know what the hell he was talking about but i just remember him saying he ain't got hands son <laughs> <laughs> ain't got hands yeah son. i was you know like if if they, if they got it it's a dog. He ain't got hands. I don't know. That's right. That. If, That's if funny, watch, man. Uh, if you watch a Mark Menendez seminar, I think he's he's got a couple of crankbait seminars. Uh, he's done something. I can remember him talking about it, and he just randomly throws something at somebody in the audience. Oh yeah, and That's a great be like, way to and, and catch it. <laughs> and he's like, "Well, see, you got hands. Right. Bass doesn't have hands. You know what's he gonna use? You know. That's so, right." on the same page there and that's a really really good point maybe i need to go get my wind on this weekend yes. i'm rusty anyways I, I, that's probably what i should do just go wind around the bank i just don't have a uh, epic ease uh crankbait boxes you know we can we can help with that man we could do some horse trading one day brother i'll horse come down trade. to lake hartwell man and let we go fishing i'll, I'll travel i'll travel this is this is the 
this is the crankbait boxes that I brought tonight just that are traveling with me right now in, in the back of the bass lab, man. I didn't get the show until much, but I, I showed and tell a little bit. Yeah. Which you was did. nice. Yeah. 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 It's great stuff. Yeah. Hell yeah. What do we got to do for the people? Facebook like and share? Yeah, we got a Facebook like and share uh, going out tonight. And uh, tonight's Facebook like and share winner is a good friend of the show. Um, we we know him well, uh, Mr. Andre Aubernaz. Congratulations, Andre. You uh, you won tonight's Facebook like and share. Thanks for supporting the Man. podcast as always. That's awesome. Hey, hey Justin, um, you do need this, though, for this weekend if you're throwing a minus one. It's, it's my little super shad uh tk inspired my nail polish went on the top of that bait baby it doesn't show like it's supposed to but let me tell you something you need it oh, it's an og right. double stamp dude let me tell you about the OG. <laughs> i don't have any more og minus ones okay when, when i got into cranking it was like high school so yeah. i was in federation club with a bunch of old yeah. guys who teach me cranking and dude, I went on like a two-year stretch where like I was catching bigs in the summer on a mm -hmm. big O and mm -hmm. a minus one. Mm -hmm. It was always shallow flat, you know. Just my eyes were open. Yeah. And it was always burning that thing around, ramming it yeah. into stuff. But then I like that diamond dust color, or it was like a gray back shad pattern. Yeah, gray ghost, honest. probably. Gray ghost. That was my best one. And then my best big O one for whatever reason was a like that pineapple shark. Smash. Yeah, pineapple Dude, smash. Like that. Yeah. Dude, I smashed them on that one. But uh, mm. I lost both of them. You know, one of them oh. was a, north of 12 pounds. Uh, oh my God. Actually, that was a regular minus one. Mm -hmm. um, big size. I was messing with the big size. And it was that one that was like chartreuse, but they dipped it in. Uh, glitter or something like that it was like oh yeah a, it's like it, they had those uh crystal glow colors yeah crystal yeah it was like crystal glow color in the chartreuse one mm -hmm. it was like they took gray ghost and dipped it in chartreuse you yeah. know that's what i felt like yeah yeah uh, it was a one minus and dude i'll never forget that fish it was like in two foot of water it was first week of july i remember it because it was july 4th weekend and i got to finally go to this you know, 80 acre track that supposedly had them. And I only got to go once in my life and it was wow. nice. And it was some neighborhood lake or something, but they had them. And I do every bit of 12, 13, probably. Oh I mean, it crazy. And she, she, like, I had an old Fluger reel, like with this old rod and she locked my drag up and I couldn't uh -oh. click it. I, and I tried to click the thumbnail, you know, the thumb bar, and it, it, like, everything locked up. And she was just on a surge after she jumped, like, three times or tried to jump and then just popped 17 pounds. Oh, man. Oh. Dude, it was ridiculous. I actually had 17-pound mono on because it was not too – I feel like that was the same year or a year after Kevin Short won that one tournament. Oh, wow. Maybe that was it. Yeah. Anyways, wow. taking taking me back, but you got yeah, you got busted off on seventeen pound mono. Yeah, my real lock. Heavy up. line. She went, yeah, I mean, dude, it was the old days. It was there was nothing wrong with it. She just I mean, she got know. around something and dogged me, you know. And I I it was one of those things where she had the rod. I mean, 
our gear, especially back then, that was 15 something years ago. Yeah. Our gear is not made for 10 pound bass. Uh-uh. You know, it's made for three and four pounders. I got, I got sure. my eight pounder yeah. I caught on a four foot trout rod. Yeah. Well, and That's there's amazing. exceptions <laughs> in, to the in, rule. In 1985, four, five. Good night, if dude. If you think about it, if you I, think I, about I, I had this happen to me. clear blue fluorescent strand. Yeah. I, I threw it. I didn't throw the gold though. I couldn't do it. <laughs> Dude, the uh the thing is when you're fishing in a foot or two of water, that fish ain't going down and uh, like it things screaming out of there. You know, like if you think really shallow water fish, like you get a 10 pounder in a foot and a half of water, the thing's just gonna take off. At you know, at least in my scenario where there wasn't a bunch of grass and you know, stuff to bog down in. Um, so yeah, she just she completely overpowered my tackle and oh I can't I can't get that one back. I've got maybe <laughs> I definitely have not caught the biggest bass I've ever hooked. That, wow. that, that in my hands. I've got two fish that I think were bigger than the 12 pounder that I caught, and then maybe a third in Mexico, but I can't really know that did not get in the boat. They're just it's like a different animal when you hook something in the double digits. I wouldn't know. You know, yeah. I, I, I mean, I only caught a few, but you know, I'm sure some Florida guys looking at me, just laughing at me, like, "Oh, I do it every weekend." Mm-hmm. Uh, different day, man. Different I caught, day. I caught different a sailfish on 15 pound mono, but there was no structure. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool that you can do that. I mean, that's, and that's, the boat, that's that the was the rig. like backing down on him, right? Nah. I mean, you no. Now there were probably 35, 40 pound sailfish doesn't matter that's still extraordinary man. yeah, well, yeah. It but it's open water so eric yeah and he did it in a black nitro wearing jeans and a in a sweatshirt <laughs> in the middle of, in the, the middle of summer in florida cut off jean shorts <laughs> yeah and, and awesome. work. may or may, or may not have been around an un, uh, an off-limits reef too <laughs> <laughs> with, with a couple of german tourists in the boat yeah. oh my Blondes. god dang crazy hey kevin stuff, j woods man. if Good you're stuff. still on youtube send your info to uh to uh alex somehow we got something for you if you yeah me that. too that the producer's pick that's the producer <laughs> well it's the guy that guessed the uh, hands first producers pick tonight i mean there were some good ones oh yeah oh yeah there were some good ones producers too. pick i dig it i mean sean lay's tearing it up he just got married congratulations swim school was 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 all over tonight you know all the usual sub suspects subjects mm. <laughs> outdoor jack he was he was wild scott easel over there but anyhow let's wrap this on show benjamin ripple benjamin buttons awesome. well i've got no uh closing monologue but to just say wow that was uh, mm-hmm. a lot of awesome awesome information i hope you guys got something out of it if you want anything more like what you heard tonight, you need to get over to bashu.tv. That's complete. That's what we're doing. We're completely committed to helping you catch more and bigger bass. And we do it in the form of classroom seminars, on water training videos, shows like tonight, interviews with the best anglers out there, guys who are like Kevin, experts at their craft. Um, so uh, I think, I think the four of us sitting here definitely got something out of tonight, you know? Oh, yeah. All got notes and things that we're looking forward to trying the next time we're out on the water and i hope you do too yes. so 
for my co-host Eric tonight. Thanks for joining us, BTC. I'll send it back to you to uh, wind us out. Yeah, yeah. Just and again, the follow up, man. The uh, member benefits with BSU are outstanding. And and for anybody listening, check out Empire Covers fifteen percent discount. Use the code BSU twenty one. Uh, the member benefits are deep, man. Deep, deep, deep. It's All a right. lot. Yep. Stuff pays for itself in one or two orders. And this past year, we had a tackle warehouse discount for, um, what was it, a month, JK? Yeah, it was a month long. Or no, it was like, it was like I want to say a little more than two weeks. Yeah. Um, hopefully, we're <laughs> going to do something like that again in the fall. Yeah, yeah that hopefully. was ridiculous, dude. It was a big tackle warehouse discount. So, yeah. You can Let's pay do for it again, man, if right we there. can. Yep. Woo. All right, guys. Epic Eric, you were amazing tonight, dude. Yeah, thank man. you, man. I really appreciate it once again, man. Thank you. Love to love to do it again when you need me. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, we're gonna roll out to that there. Thanks, Rich. Rich, shout out <laughs> nice. to you. He's all over it, my oh, man. Yep. You guys so, rock, man. Rizzo, BTC, JK, man, professional fish head. Forget about it. Forget Nobody about better it. in the game. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. Catch us next week, yeah, Tuesday, yep. 7 right on. p.m. That's it. Peace. All right moment on the water not spent fishing is a moment wasted. That's why Minkota and Humminbird have joined forces to bring you the One Boat Network. Products that communicate and integrate to help you take full command of your boat. Born from our commitment to making the most advanced fishing gear even better by making it work together. The One Boat Network will help you find, get to, stay on, and catch more fish. When One Boat Network products talk to each other, they can navigate your boat automatically. They can give you a crystal clear view of what's below with no messy wires. And they can let you lower, raise, and change shallow water anchor modes from anywhere on the boat. But that's just the beginning. We're never done innovating, integrating, and making your boat simpler and easier to control. All so you can make every second on the water count. Tackle Warehouse is proud to sponsor the FLW Pro Circuit and is the official tackle retailer of FLW. Providing proven bass fishing gear as well as the newest and hottest tackle. Our friendly and knowledgeable customer service staff can help you every step of the way. And we offer free ground shipping on orders over $50. Tackle Warehouse. Everything for the bass angler at the lowest prices. Guaranteed. I have to be constantly on the lookout for new techniques to stay on the top of my game. Giant. Some have been more Giant. successful oh God, than others. Giant. The finesse fingernail. Happens every time. The chain gang. Oh ah, broke it off. The crow's nest. Never let go. And don't even get me started on tackle management, especially trying to stop rust and corrosion. Peanut butter. Hmm, I could. Motor oil. Gotta keep the rust off all these baits. WD-40. Gotta keep the rust off. Silica, toothpicks, Q-tips, the list goes on and on. I'm hard on tackle, I fish fast, I need my tackle organized and protected. I can't be worrying about losing baits to rust. And when it comes to tackle management, there's only one solution. Flambeau Tackle Storage Systems with Z-Rust Technology. The original anti-rust tackle box. Uncompromised clarity. Renowned durability. 
the infused anti-rust option that is FDA safe and free of harmful chemicals. The organization options are endless, but there's only one. One box, one anti-corrosion technology, one family-owned American-made brand, Flambo Z-Rust Tackle Solutions. Preserve, perform, repeat.